0: Hello everybody and welcome to the 267th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that never quite manages to solve the quandrics of writing an intro like a silver quill. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host this week, as always, is Travis Allen at Wizard Bumpin on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good
1: evening, everyone. Good evening, James. Glad to be here and looking forward to sharing some valuable information with you guys. Our show is produced by MTGPrice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to track your specs, chat on Discord, and read articles by
0: some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Travis, what do we have on our exciting agenda this week?
1: oh this week it is uh, a familiar pattern segment one our mtgo mud game we can review pioneer showcase challenge and some modern segment two our top paper movers we'll run through some of the cards that have seen some big boosts in price this week as well as some mtgo data segment three our paper cards to watch we've got a healthy dose for you here two user picks are they splitting that credit or do they each get their own we'll find out later uh, and segment four, our topic of the week, we are joined by Jason Alt to talk about the full Strixhaven reveal and what's relevant in the only format that matters these days, EDH. So let's jump in here at the top, our Pioneer Showcase Challenge uh, taken down by Arclight Phoenix, both, and uh, that managed a first and a sixth place finish. So that's a, a strategy that we hadn't seen too much of Pione- in Pioneer all, you know. Up until very recently, um, and we were talking last week about how this is popping up again, and here it is with some, some good results this week.
0: Not looking as, as much like a potential flash in the pan. This looks like Arc Light being back on the menu. The only question is, will Pioneer ever see the light of day again as a paper magic tournament? Uh, that seems to be a little up in the air. Are they going to support pioneer to any great extent across the lgs network are they going to do so at gps is it going to be in a, a higher level tournament format at some point are they going to take historic from arena and try to replace pioneer with it or merge the two in some way anybody's guess
1: that would be a mess i suspect because they don't manage historic is just a random smattering of legal cards like they just make it up and paper band lists have always tracked very clean boundaries, uh, so it's not to say they couldn't, but it would definitely be a departure for them.
0: And the thing is that even if that never happens, and those are good reasons why it might not, um, Pioneer still might be, you know, dead in the water. Just only really got six months of play before it. COVID kicked in and by the time COVID finally fades and lets people get back to the gaming tables, anybody's guess whether folks will still be interested in this format or there'll be something new and exciting to, you know, explore.
1: Yeah, I I agree. That um, I, I would like to see Pioneer survive. I'd like, and if it's not Pioneer, I'd like to see something in that place. That
0: said, I'm sure there are plenty of pro traders like me that have a pile of leftover Arc Lake Phoenixes from one of the prior spikes, and would be happy to move them into uh, whatever velocity could be mustered here.
1: That's good news for you guys. I would. I want to see Pioneer or a similar format succeed because I have a very large pile of Pioneer specs. That got stuck when COVID hit, and uh, the new format needs to make all of those extremely valuable. Um, I do see four strategic planning in the main deck here, which also has the Mystical Archive edition. So there might be some... I mean, obviously, it's very early to be talking about um, Mystical Archives as spec targets... But that is something to keep in mind as you're scrolling through these MTGO deck lists that shows you, because it always grabs the most recent printing of the card, you'll see where some of these decks are using relevant cards that are showing up as the Mystical Archives. Yep,
0: good point. Second place, we've got a five-color niv build. Pretty straightforward stuff based on recent uh, versions of the deck. Uh, four-color Yurion Control. We've seen various versions of this. This is mostly Jeskai cards with four Essica's Chariot. You've got the Transmogrifies, um, and alongside Supreme Verdict, so it's really more of a combo control deck, depending on whether or not you have a Transmogrify set up and ready to go, and then you can go get Agent of Treachery as your only main deck target. Uh, although I suppose you could end up with getting, uh, I don't know, I guess Yorion's never in your deck, so it's not going to be <laughs> not going to be Yorion. Um, But after sideboarding, they do have some other options in Resolute, Archangel, Yasharn, and Placable Earth. And I guess that's it.
1: That's it? That's it. (laughs) That's a lot. I noticed, you know, we're talking about the Yorian deck here, and uh, I caught one of the pros ahead of this past weekend's event, I think it was, maybe it was two weeks ago, who commented, "Uh, I just registered... Companions for two formats. Maybe the fix wasn't enough of a fix. <laughs> sure. So interesting to see whether the companions survive through till post-COVID table play as well. uh Black White orders which we've seen before, popping up here. Constant um, presence nothing. in the format. Yep. And a Mono Green, Mono Green Collected Company in fifth place uh with some some interesting cards Girk's Girk's harbinger is in here it's playing heart of kieran love to see heart of kieran got a lot of those floating around would like you to play more than one uh old growth troll out of kaldheim uh this is a this is a, a deck that would have really appealed to me as a newer magic player just every green pip i could it Looks find. like such
0: a timmy deck four steel mm-hmm. leaf champion one eurovo two ronas Four Old Growth Troll out of time for Barkhide Troll out of M20, for Aspect of Hyder and for Collected Company. Not the kind of deck you expect to surmount a top eight, but here you go.
1: Yeah, there are like half of the main deck creatures have double or triple forest pips. They're casting cost. That's not uh not <laughs> That's a sign. That is definitely a Timmy deck. But that's a lot of fat. It's a lot of green. They're running fat a lot of
0: a lot of blue dual lands. They don't need a need in the main just so that they can have stubborn denial, disdainful stroke out of the sideboard, mm-hmm. working effectively.
1: Yeah, I and mean, once you're committed to the mono mono color platform, those some of those dual lands are give you a nice free sideboard splash.
0: it's interesting that they don't have uh, the ramping land from Eldraine in here.
1: The uh, I know what you're talking about, just on the it's tip the, of my tongue,
0: yeah, tip of my tongue as well. Anyway, the they've clearly made some sacrifices in the mana base to support the counter magic out of the board, yep. Arclade again in sixth place, Corvold Sacrifice in seventh, nothing too new or exciting there, except that they get to run two binding of the old gods now, and then five color Niv Mizzet again in eighth. Modern, the, the spicier of the two this week, I think, first place Modern is a red deck. Now, normally that wouldn't surprise you, because you'd figure that that would be probably red-white. red, red white. Uh, Modern Burn has been probably the most prevalent uh, red deck in the last five years in the format. But no, this is weird. This has some elements of a straight up burn deck it has some elements of the blood moon focused green red control e or like mid-range builds it's got some elements of the blue red prowess build and there's a bunch of mid-range cards in here i would not expect to see in a red deck in modern you've got one chandra accolade of flame and keep in mind this deck won the modern challenge this week um Chandra Alkalite of Flame, most people have probably forgotten the text of, so I may as well read it. 1 double red Legendary Planeswalker Chandra for 4 loyalty. For 0, you put a loyalty counter on each red Planeswalker you control. Or, you can create 2 1-1 red Elemental Creature Tokens. They gain haste. You sac them at the beginning of the next end step. And then minus 2, you may cast target instant or sorcery spell with converted mana cost 3 or less from your graveyard. If that would be put into your graveyard this turn, exile it instead. So she's basically a red Snapcaster Mage in this deck. And you've got four Lava Dart and four Lightning Bolt to work with, uh, as, along with four Fire Bolt, three Flame Slash, and four Light up the Stage. But then you've got four Blood Moon Main. So that doesn't look very much like a burn deck. And then four Bone Crusher Giant, four Monastery Swift Spear, and four Soul Scar Mage, which is that blue-red prowess influence. And then four Season Pyromancer, which is a much more plodding-go-wide strategy.
1: Yeah, it seems like they basically took the prowess strategy, that like the sort of blue or red prowess builds that we've been talking about, and just shoved it all into mono red. It was. It seems like that's basically their plan here. Uh interesting, I suppose. Um, there's,
0: there's a there's a whole another angle here though. Obosh the Prey Piercer is the companion lurking in the sideboard here, and Obosh reads if a source you control with an odd converted mana cost would deal damage to a permanent or player. you double it and so of course everything in this deck is either, either a one or a three mm.
1: well, that's interesting and i guess the blood moon they're not counting then on the blood moon to win them the game they just need the blood moon to slow the game down for two turns just enough to get their Obosh oh, on um, in the play. You know, they drop like a Soul Mage or the Monastery Swift Spear on turn one. On turn two, like play another one and bolt something they played. Turn three, play your Chandra, or Season Pyromancer, or Blood Moon, and then on you know, play some more bodies on turn four and then turn five, play that Obosh oh, and start hitting real hard. That's a that's a it's amusing to see it, kind of nifty that it won. I wonder how three good the black, land deck blood moons were.
0: Three Blast Zone alongside seventeen mountain in the land pile. So Obosh isn't that easy to cast either at five mana. Um, but you got light at the stage to hopefully get you towards your lands.
1: Yeah. The the Yeah, and they're playing twenty lands, which is I guess what probably like one more than you typically see in those decks, I think. Um one the two more lands although yeah still getting to 20 getting to 5 on 20 lands is still kind of tight
0: certainly one of those lists where i would love to interview the the person running the deck uh the deck designer to understand the various angles in the meta that make this the correct choice if you're running a red deck cuz i would never have come to this conclusion yeah. off the cuff
1: what uh so what's going on over there buddy talk to me
0: mhm next next in line is just, just about as sexy and Notable because, yet again, Bone Crusher Giant. Two copies, not four, but six Bone Crusher Giants in the top two of the Modern Challenge this week? I saw that and immediately posed the question in the Discord to the Pro Traders. How, how much does this need to go on before the showcase Bone Crusher Giants, which were once plentiful and have been ubiquitous in standard since they were printed, are $30 cards despite being foil showcases?
1: Mm hmm. I mean, there's 14 vendors with this card right now for the Throne of Eldraine Drain Showcase foil Bone Crusher Giant, and they start at 10 bucks, so they're not cheap. And with only 15 vendors, might be our sleeper pick of the week here.
0: I mean, when I mentioned it in the Discord this afternoon, there was a bunch of copies at seven. People bit those off. Now we're looking at nine to 10. Overseas, I suspect we can still get them cheaper. I have no idea if Bone Crusher Giant will still be around in six or 12 months in modern, but certainly a question worth posing. And I would be willing to go say 12 copies deep to find out.
1: Yeah. I I would have been uh, reluctant to expect that type of um, behavior out of this card early, but it has really continued to perform over and over and over again. Uh, So, I mean, at this point, who am I to, to dismiss it like clearly there is it's got some legs on it and i don't even know if modern horizons 2 is going to change
0: that there's a bunch of subtle text on this card first of all you're doing you get an expensive shock and a reasonably priced creature one after the other typically you're going to stomp then you're going to giant the stomp is, is can't be prevented so that matters in some cases the creature is a giant which in this deck matters and anything that targets the Bonecrusher Giant, that, that spell's controller takes two damage. So, a lot of upside. And as you said, it's, it's performed again and again. And yet, I'm still a little stunned by this list. We've got two Bonecrusher Giant and four Primeval Titan. Six Giants, because Primeval Titan is also a Giant. And those are the only giants in this entire deck. Oh, sorry, the only creatures in this entire deck. Then you have 21 instants, two cryptic command, four force negation, four gross spiral, four lightning bolt, four remand, one spell s- snare, and two summoners packed to go get the primeval titans. So you basically have the teamer control package that can be built, used around titan, two renin six, and then four invasion of the giants and a saga out of Keltheim that I don't think anybody saw as a four of modern card. Mm-hmm. The, f- the first, uh, lore counter placed on Invasion of the Giants, the turn you play it, scries for two. This, the next turn you draw a card, then you can reveal a giant from your hand, and if you do, it deals two damage to target opponent or Planeswalker. And then on the third turn, the next giant spell you cast this turn costs two less to cast. So it's like a ramp spell that gets you to Titan faster? Yeah, I mean, you're With paying... benefits two... along the way? Yeah, the, it, I mean, your,
1: your, your two mana plays here, are your, your running sixes... Uh, maybe your Bone Crusher, your Invasion of the Giants that lets you scry to... Growth Spiral. Growth Spiral. Uh, maybe remand. remand. So, like, you know, it, it's a 2-scry two, 2 to help you fix to get to your Primeval Titan. Then you got to draw a card. So 2-scry two, 2 draw a card is definitely legitimate. Uh, then you get to shock the player, because you should be revealing a, a giant, ideally, from your hand and then it sets you up for a turn four primeval titan possible no i guess you can't turn three it's just a turn four titan but um yeah i mean it, I, I you're right i never would have guessed this works but when you look at it here you're like yeah i could see i could see that like that doesn't seem terrible
0: but there's no scape shifts in this list and they're going titan into Valicuts along the way
1: yeah i got i got nothing for you there i don't know It looks like it's just a primeval Titan getting some more creatures, basically. Or getting more lands just to do some work for You You get the Valaket. You get the Valaket package, I suppose.
0: Quite the deck. Third place, we have blue-white Planeswalker control. Nothing too uh, new or exciting there. Jun Shadow in fourth, blue-black. Mill in fifth. And the most notable thing I noticed there was that it's four Glimpse the Unthinkable, but they aren't running the new Glimpse... Ask card from Zendikar Rising that I called as a pick a few months back, which it seems to have oscillated in and out of this deck um, over the time. Instead, they seem to be running three Blood Chief's Thirst main and two Fraying Sanity.
1: Hmm. Just a various package here, I guess.
0: Yeah, and an Ensnaring Bridge main as well.
1: I mean, Bridge is legitimate. And Mill tended not to dump its hand that fast, so I'm not that surprised to see that, honestly.
0: And then we've got Creature Combo in six, but it's not the green-white one that we've come to expect from Modern lately. This is the black-green one that we haven't seen for a little while that has always been there, I suppose. Um, Yawgmoth Thran Physician with stuff like Young Wolf and Hypatra, uh, Strangle Root Geist... The whole deal here is, of course, that with Yogmoth, you can basically make it so that your creatures come back over and over and over again.
1: Mm -hmm. That was uh, that sounds like somebody just ported their EDH deck over to modern.
0: I mean, this we definitely saw this in the months, uh, six months preceding the debut of Modern Horizons because people figured out the these combos with Yawgmoth relatively easy early and we saw this deck top eight several times during that period and then it just kind of faded for a while yeah um, and I'm curious why this why you would go this co- creature combo deck as opposed to the green white one maybe it uh, resists the sideboard plan against green right white better than than green white does
1: yeah you figure whenever it's something like that it's got to be a uh a metagame call in some capacity it's just a question of you know what i i we certainly aren't going to be the guys to tell you that but i presume that's what it is
0: got jund in seventh and a blue red prowess continuing to make a splash in modern in eighth place and also informing one of the selections in the cards to watch which we will get to shortly Yeah. Oh. Moving on over to the top paper movers of the week. We have to start with... Real busy week, really. I mean, we had to pick and choose here what we wanted to talk about. Thassa's Oracle foil Pack Foils. 22 to 32, 45% gains. This is just the Pack Foils. These were real easy to come by in Theros collector Booster boxes. Um, and, of course, had the higher drop rate even in the regular boxes. I just sold a playset of as Oracle extended our non-foils for a hundred and thirty odd dollars yesterday. In on those was less than thirty-two.
1: That's that's a
0: on a one-year hold.
1: Can't complain about that. Nope. I mean, I would. I mean, I could find a way to complain about it, but I'm I won't because I. You know, my way of complaining about it is that it wasn't me. That's how I'm complaining about it.
0: I'm sure that both the foil, foil extended arts and the extended arts were picks on cast during the year. So hopefully people got in on those thousand year storms, got some hype brewing around it uh, due to Prismari um, instance and sorceries focus from Strixhaven, both the main set and the commander deck um, foils for, from guilds of Ravnica going from 14 to 22 and pretty much all the versions of this card are on the rise. Mishra's Factory Spring version, not the winter one we talked about last week, from Antiquities going from somewhere in the low 90s to mid-hundreds, 50 to 60% gains. That's just the continuing pressure on old cards. Ditto with Island of Wokwok, hmm. a relatively useless card that just happens to be in Arabian Nights. Uh, um, I don't know, third or fourth level desirability, I suppose, from from that era. I
1: I learned a walk, walk at, god, that's $600. I sold one of these for like 150 bucks probably 2 years ago and felt like I was stealing from it. somebody.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know whether it's really a $600 card or not, but there's very few of these left under that price point anywhere from the survey I did. Um, no idea what they're actually changing hands for on Facebook, etc., but I would imagine that it's going to hold a plateau over five hundred from here on out.
1: Yeah, I mean, it started at three hundred and fifty apparently, so and I sold mine at one (laughs) hundred and fifty, so I I I was winning even if I had waited, uh, even if I had sold at the low price today.
0: (laughs) Changeling Outcast from Modern Horizons foils from eight and eight and a half or so to about 15 that's on the back of it being a played card in blue black ninjas and legacy so you yet another uh foil common or uncommon from modern horizons that's showing strong gains wouldn't be too sad to have a bunch of those boxes still sitting around but I've uh, long since sold mine
1: yeah i uh i actually sold three modern horizons boxes this week i, I didn't realize it but i had three of them listed on ebay uh russian ones oh Yep, and those uh those sold this week and now i'm like what'd you get for those uh
0: i think it was like 375 each or something like that seems like a good good buy for for the person who got them and a decent sale for you knowing what we got in on those at during the group buy.
1: i was actually gonna ask you do you remember what we paid because i didn't remember
0: i think it was very close to 200
1: yeah that was my what i figured uh, but I all three sold. I saw this the the email that said I sold them, and I'm like, you know, 980 dollars. This is awesome. And then I'm like, wait, quantity three. Ah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> you're,
0: you're like, I put it at 980. God, for one, yes.
1: Yeah. Uh, I I've slow. I have I basically no longer list anything in multiples. Um, and every time I sell something in multiples, it's something that I didn't realize I had listed someplace that sold. Uh, but, yeah, people are buying this product.
0: Moving right along. As foretold, going from 11 to 20 in non-foil from Ket. the foils went to 45+. And as soon as I saw them start to pick up on the indexes this week, I was like, I've got a thick, like a dummy thick pile of these sitting in the bad specs box from the last time these took off on the back of, I think it was Crashing Rhinos and Modern Horizons 1, making two four four Tramplers for free. Um and so i've been holding them i think i've I've sold some along the way but i think i've been holding the bulk of them for hmm, probably three years now and i was like start the countdown within 48 hours these are going to start evaporating off my listings and sure enough sold three foils at 35 a piece promo foil at about the same gonna relist closer to 50 original in was 13 dollars or so wow no bad specs i think i've got like 20 more of those to sell Can't complain about that. Uh, Worth mentioning why that's happening. There are rumors that there are more free spells coming in Modern Horizons 2. Uh, So so people are thinking, as we're told, it's going to be a thing.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, that's plausible, I suppose.
0: Uh, Let's see. Shardless Agent, likewise, is involved in Modern Horizons 2 rumors. Uh, The rumor being, bluntly, that they think it's going to be in Modern Horizons 2, and it'll be therefore ushered into modern so foil ema copies going from 7 to 1350 or so uh, on the back of those rumors uh, that one's you know you're rolling dice if if the rumor is correct you're probably going to make money um, but the car is going to be printed in the set so probably you want to be going after things like the judge foils entirely possible that if they print it in the set that there'll be a foil extended art version or something in the collector booster boxes. And there'll be a new hot version to get But the judge foils are already drying up. Most of the remaining copies are to be found over in Europe at a reasonable price. And those are probably worth dipping into because even if there is some new premium version, somebody will decide they want judge foils.
1: Yeah. I mean, whenever you see stuff like that, like the, if the plan here is oh, I'm going to sell it when it gets reprinted, uh, that's fine. Because despite what you would anticipate, when cards get reprinted more often than not, the price goes up at first. So if you've already got your copies in hand and you can flip them immediately um, on the news as the market begins to empty, like you're you're beating that you're getting to the market before the extra, all the extra supply is hit. Essentially, the demand appears immediately, but the supply takes lags, mm-hmm. yeah, weeks or months to get there. So over and over again, you know, this sort of inversion of common sense. Has taken place. Um, yep. Well, well, familiar territory to those of us who watch every time in disbelief.
0: Uh, Mirror Wing Dragon has a couple of cards in Strixhaven that make it better. Um, and so it's gone from about $3 to about $6 for 100% gains. Finale of Eternity at a War moving from $250 to $550. I don't have anything on this card. This is the one that uh, lets you destroy some creatures and if you if you pump X up high enough, you get to bring all the creatures back from your graveyard into play.
1: Got me, man.
0: I mean, it, seems, it sees a modicum of EDH play, but um, we did notice another finale moving last week, so it could just be people moving in on war mythics. Yeah, I mean, I had
1: my, my pick was the other one, the blue one, uh, but I don't
0: I wouldn't have any insight on the black one here. Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, uh, number 39 from the secret layer that had four Thalias in different arts, going from 12 to 28. So secret layer cards continuing to drain relatively reliably on a 6 to 18 month horizon. Lava Foils, original from Judgment, going from 12 to 28. That's going to be on the back of the modern blue-red prowess deck, con- continuing to top 8. Counterspell is one of the other cards rumored to be in Modern Horizons 2, so all of the fancy versions of that have been on the rise, including 7th Foil supposedly going from $240 to $550, 135% gains there. 7th Foil anything was already a thing, so if if it's a 7th edition foil modern playable Counterspell, and, and Counterspell is actually good enough to find play in the format yeah, that's going to be a pricey card. Um, Judge Foil counterspells are largely in the same boat right now.
1: That's, yeah, I mean, it's that's a crazy price, right? Like, two. If someone was buying those at 250 but, I mean, even that doesn't, like, it doesn't feel awful, awful, right? Like, you, you feel like you're essentially not, there's, like, no risk, right? You're like, sure, I'm paying $250 for this, and if it doesn't get reprinted, that sucks, but, like... It's still a
0: huge EDH card.
1: Yeah, like it's it's not the worst if it does get reprinted. If it doesn't get reprinted, it, it was it's still not really going to go down in price. It's still worth what you paid for it. And if it does get reprinted, you're like, oh cool, maybe I can find someone crazy to pay for this. And
0: I mean, long before this rumor manifested, I had already bought Japanese foil Seventh Counter spells, just not predicated on them being a strong card for EDH in the long term. Seventh and edition
1: I... Japanese foils. mm Hmm. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I, I bumped up my price on those to the high 300s today and might do it again.
1: I mean, frankly, that sounds low.
0: Well, 7th edition Japanese foils tend to go less than English, if I recall correctly. But, I mean, if this if it ends up being in modern, somebody will snap that off, and I might just be able to ask for 500 and dare somebody to say no.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have um, a play set of foil 7th birds, and I think those are five or 600 each, but they're not Japan. They are English, not Japanese, but... I don't know, man. I I would charge for the Japanese ones. I would charge more. Only got to find one guy that wants to pay for it, because where else is he going to find him?
0: Yep. This next one's pretty juicy. Library of Alexandria has been on a steady curve with a lot of the other, like, premium reserve list cards over the last year. But now you're real hard-pressed to find copies under five or $6,000. Like in private private sales, I'm sure you can still negotiate a price depending on the quality of the card. But if it's near mint or better, people are going to try to grade it at this point. Mm-hmm. So anything anything, but like if you started getting into MP, kind of rough-looking LP, HP cards and whatever, then yeah, the, the price is still very elastic, I would imagine. But really good-looking libraries... Real hard to find under that price. And I'm pretty sure one of us, pair, I can't remember if it was me or you, within the last couple of years, picked this under $1,500. Uh, that was you. I wouldn't have put that on a pick list. Somebody, like, so if anybody picked one up around that time, because I'm pretty sure it was either last winter or the winter before that I got two via buy list credit at CK. So, and it was at about $1,100 apiece. So, that buy list, which was already probably a triple or a quad, is now some unfathomable return <laughs> because, ostensibly, that was something like $250 for the cards that are now worth 6000 less than a couple years later.
1: It's uh, also a good turnaround. Yeah, I remember you talking about it and I was like, that looks good, but I don't really want to throw $1,500 at this, but it'll probably work out for whoever does. I I have been wondering um, if all of this action on these types of cards, which we've been seeing for a little while now, it's, it's, um, you know, what, two or three months or something like that. I have been wondering how much of it um, might be based on like the NFT spike. Um, You know, NFTs drove a lot of money recently, and some of the people who cashed out on those might be trying to flip them into uh, some valuable magic cards the same way they did the last time, Crypto got a boost
0: well there's no there's no question that in the in the last year cycle and over the course of the the super cycle that's say five years old crypto has influenced the price of other collectibles um but there's all sorts of collectibles money being made that's getting redirected to other collectibles as people broaden their reach so people that made money in pokemon shifting over to magic people that made money in mtg finance shifting over to say flesh and blood and or pokemon people that are in any of those things looking at sports cards and sports card people looking back the other way you got the nft crowd now and there's overlap there with the sports stuff through top shots bottom line is collectibles is just surging across the board yeah
1: so did you uh have you been getting when you sign into ebay nowadays does it show you the banner about uh monarch flesh and blood monarch
0: I haven't noticed that off the top of my head. I mean, I would imagine that those ads are targeted.
1: So would I, um, no doubt about it. But I I did find it interesting because I have never searched for flesh and blood on eBay. I've never typed those words into it. Now, I search for magic stuff almost exclusively on eBay. uh, But I just thought that was interesting that like eBay is now looking at this and going, okay, well, this is a similar enough product. That this guy might be interested in because, you know, so far flesh and blood feels like it's something of a, maybe not flash in the pan, but it's ephemeral.
0: Or you you didn't turn off all the settings on your phone and it's just listening to everything you say.
1: Well, (laughs) I mean, I suppose if we're accepting that as a possibility, that could be it too.
0: (laughs) It certainly is a possibility.
1: Uh, Uh,
0: Predatory sliver foils from M14 going from 4 to 12 on the back of sliver hype uh also true of uh thorncaster sliver going with foils going from 350 to 20 or so uh still sliver hype watcher for tomorrow foils at first i couldn't figure this one out and then somebody pointed out it's because of the ephemerate deck in modern uh these have gone from 5 to 28 so this is a foil uncommon from modern horizons that's now worth ostensibly somewhere between 25 and 35 dollars um, it's played as a four of uh, in this deck in modern and it's basically all about flickering things in and out for all sorts of crazy combos.
1: Hmm. That's kind of interesting.
0: Let me just bring this deck up one second. So, why yeah, so you've got three it's called Soul Herder. It went six and two for ninth place in a modern challenge uh, ten days ago or so. Thraben Inspector, 3 Oriok Champion, 4 Wall of Omens, 4 Watcher for Tomorrow, 4 Glasspool Mimic from ZNR, 4 Skyclave Apparition from ZNR, 3 Soul Herder from MH1, 4 Felidar Guardian, 1 Venser Shaper Savant, 4 Sahili Rai, 4 Ephemerate, and 4 Ether So if you flicker a Watcher for Tomorrow, you're looking at the top 4 cards of your library, exiling one of them and then so you put it into play you're gonna look at the top four exile one then when you flicker it it leaves play so you get the card into your hand
1: yeah so every time you flicker it you draw the top four. impulse right impulse is yeah. like the top four draw yeah i mean that's not bad you know impulse on a a repeatable Impulse every time... Impulse every time you Flicker is pretty solid. I mean, it's a lot better than draw one. I mean, Impulse is a big upgrade over draw card, honestly.
0: And because it has the, S- S- the Sahili Rai Felidar Guardian combo in here, it's got, like, Splinter Twin potential. Yeah. And and there's some other interesting I- infinite combos in here as well.
1: That is kind of nifty that they're, you know, being able to use the um. Flicker effect of Felidar Guardian... Uh, to do more than just combo kill kind of helps the the
0: guardian is also infinite life. If you have an Oriok champion on the two. Sure. Of course it is. So cool. 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 Tempt with reflections, uh, from commander 2013, uh, went from about 250 to 15 or so, 400% plus gains on the back of the blue green Strixhaven commander. That is that headlines the, uh, Quandrix deck. Uh, in Commander 2021. Uh, pretty old token copy related card that has not had a reprint, I don't think.
1: Nope. Commander 2013 is it.
0: Yep. So, yet another busy week in the top paper movers. Moving on over to top Magic Online movers of the week. We got Kaya's Guile going from just under seven tickets to 10 tickets on the back of increased modern play. Got Food Chain promos going from 13 to 20. I don't know if that's related to a shift in the treasure chest uh, availability or something, or whether a food chain deck in Legacy did well this week, but I'll have to double-check that. All is Dust uh, from Ultimate Masters going from 4.5 tickets to 7.5 for 62% gains. That's probably on the back of Eldrazi Tron rotating in as one of the go-to Tron decks of the the recent period of play. And uh, that'll let us move on over to Paper Cards to Watch for this week. Got some uh, solid picks, three of each for both of us, and then two Pro Trader selections because we skipped a couple weeks about a month ago, so may as well throw out two of the $25 gift certificates for Cool Stuff, Inc. Yet another benefit of being a Pro Trader is uh, access to win those things by submitting your selections every week to Cards to Watch.
1: Now, admittedly, it's a double-edged sword because if you win, I get to make fun of your username, so... (laughs) <laughs> you know like it's is it worth the twenty five dollar credit only you can
0: decide true all right I'm gonna start with judge foil Rahadn ports Rashadden. really <laughs> Rashadon, um judge foils are available in and around twenty five dollars both in Europe uh Europe and the us uh, draining pretty steadily it uses the same art as we've seen in uh, another printing but the judge foils. Being in such short supply, and given that it's a four of and some prominent legacy decks, leads me to believe that these are going to go 25 to 50 within the year pretty easily.
1: This had more printings than I remember it having. Uh, Although I guess a lot of those are world champs decks, but still more printings than I expected. Um,
0: Yeah, the vast majority of them. I mean, really you only have Mercadian Mask, old Border Foils. And then the Judge Promos and Masters 25 foils. Yeah. And if you look at look at the Masters 25 foil offering, you've got mm, pretty pretty steady ramp. There's copies lying around at 16 bucks, but they're going to go up to 30 or 40 given enough time. And I don't see Wizards being in a huge rush to reprint it, given that this card has next to no play in EDH.
1: Yeah, Richard on Port could take a long time. But to see a reprint, um, now that they put it out in M25, I mean, before M25, you went from Marque- masks. Yeah, Mercadian masks all the way to M25. And then the judge promo was probably what, like the same year or something
0: or close to so it. 16 or 17 years between printings last night.
1: Yeah. Uh, so those judge promos definitely are tempting. They do. They are identical <clears throat> essentially to the Masters 25 one. But I mean, there's seven copies, literally, literal seven copies uh, of the Judge promos. So that seems totally fine for me, just based on that supply being so low. And uh, you don't have to dig through too many of the M25 ones to catch up either. And if someone really wants to get the cool on port, they're going to get the Judge one, because it's the Judge one, not the M25 copy.
0: Well, and because mask spoils are hundreds and hundreds of
1: dollars. <laughs> yeah, I would say, those are,
0: those are uh, a, a literal magnitude more, right? Yeah. The interesting tidbit about Masters twenty five foils, they have the set symbol from the original printing in the background of the text box.
1: I caught yeah, I caught that. That was nifty looking.
0: Uh all right, what's your first selection of the week?
1: The by the way, those uh the it's not just hundreds of dollars for the foil old border Rashawn Poor. The current low is two grand. <laughs> market was four uh... is four fifty, but
0: yeah, I mean, that was a recent push, but yes. I might have that. I'm sure it's a negotiable a yeah. negotiable object. Yeah, it's,
1: the price is somewhere between 450 and $2,000. Uh, uh, so last week we were talking about Double Masters cards, and you know we talked about Card Liberated on the cast, and I remember that. So this week I went back to Double Masters to start poking around to see what I could find, and I found a couple cards that I like the look of uh, already. And I think there are several more that will probably come to fruition over the next uh, couple months. But right now, I think there are three uh, for sure that you could be interested in. The first one is should be a surprise to basically nobody. It's the same card everyone's paid attention to, but I'm, I'm putting it on the board, Cyclonic Rift, the Foil Double Masters copies, cards in 100,000 EDH direct decks, right? Like basically uncontested, uh, like go of the formats, like Soul and Cyclonic Rift, right? And they're not going to ban it either. I don't think that's going to happen uh if they were going to do that it already would have happened so like essentially like top 3 card in the format uh there are 35 vendors left with foil cyclonic Rifts left out there in the world uh it is the most played i think the highest selling and most popular most expensive of the rares from double masters as opposed to the mythics um there are no cell walls among uh, the inventory here, there's like one guy with six, I think, is one guy with seven. You know, that that's the most of it. There's no like forty cards sell all, which I think we probably saw uh, earlier on Double Masters release when people went pretty hard on those collectors boosters. The low price on these was around forty dollars at one point, I believe. So and the and right now the cheapest copy is fifty three. So the prices come up. From the floor, we we you know we already hit the floor. We're bouncing back up. Supply is starting to get low. In fact, this is barely more copies than the most popular Mythics in the set. Um, like I said, ultra popular. So I think you buy these now at about $50 to $55. And you I would expect you to be able to get over $100 for these. Probably this year, but definitely Q2 next year is my expectation here of these being uh of these doing pretty well over the next couple months.
0: I thought for sure we would have selected this in the fall at some point, but I don't see it anywhere.
1: Really? I actually didn't uh, for kind of forgot to open last year's spreadsheet to search for it. Um
0: and and I would guess that the reason for that is that there was a uh you know, we certainly were talking about, hey, you got to get these when they were announced for double masters VIPs. As soon as it was in, like revealed that these to be in the set, everybody was talking about, okay, what's the desirable in on these? And we did a group buy where we got access to both the regulars at $10 a piece, which I'm selling for 25 plus already. The borderless ones uh, down in the mid 20s, I think. Which are now selling in the mid 40s to 50s, and the foil borderless ones, as you said, were down under 40 dollars. Not just in our group buys, but even just on TCG not so long ago. Mm-hmm. And then there was this negative sentiment that, oh look, like the the VIP stuff is retracing. You know, people moved on to the hype cycles around Zendikar Rising, and then Commander Legends, and oh no, the foil borderless stuff from DXM is a trap. You're gonna it's gonna languish. <laughs> except it's not i mean all of that's st- the good stuff from that set is already on the move doubling season land tax cyclonic rift uh uh colossus um I'm trying to think of other things I, I, i've sold toxic deluge Atraxa in Kalia i've had no trouble selling recently and there are some really fantastic artworks amongst these cards the cyclonic rift is good not amazing Um, but that's not going to matter. It's It's, the foil boardless version of Cyclonic Rift. It's going to sell and it's going to be a hundred plus, like you said.
1: Yeah. It's not, it's not like stellar, but it's definitely solid. Uh, and it's the, the full art is a lot of color. It's cool looking, which is like good enough, right? Like, okay, that that's fine. It doesn't have to be gorgeous art. It just has to look pretty cool which is what you get for your money here. Um, And we absolutely talked about this. I'm not in no way, shape or form pretending like I have original or clubber here. This is basically just a, well, okay, we're, we're, we're here. I think it's essentially this is last, higher entry
0: point, but the, the results are more guaranteed at this point. Yeah.
1: I think this is the, this is the last stop before the train leaves the station.
0: Yep. Uh, similarly sliver legion is one of my selections here i've got it marked in the sheet as uh, zero six months but i think it's more like 12 months plus um the thing is that there's already like arbitrage on sliver legion in europe because the copies in the u.s are somewhere around 40 if i'm not mistaken yeah, the Time Spiral Remastered Mythic version, just under 40, high 30s, but you can pick off copies in Europe or under 25. It's like 18 or 19 euros plus shipping. That's way too cheap, because even though this only shows up in 2,000 decks on EDH Rec, it basically goes into every Sliver deck forever and ever, and now that they printed it here, you probably aren't going to see it again for some time. Because mm-hmm. we already got a Judge Foil Sliver Legion not so long ago. Uh all versions total, you've only got... Yeah, the the Time Swallow Remastered Printing, Future Sight, which is a million years ago, and the Judge promo, which is 150 plus at this point.
1: This is only in 2000 EDH Reck Decks. That's slightly surprising. I would expect it to be more.
0: The question you're asking yourself is how many people play Slivers as a specific EDH deck. One, use one of the available five-color Slivers as their commander.
1: True. I suppose...
0: That doesn't mean there's two thousand players. That just means there's two thousand reported decks, which could mean there are twenty to forty or fifty thousand players that are playing slivers.
1: Well, right. I mean, whenever we talk about this stuff, it's just the. I'm just trying to compare apples to apples, you know. But I suppose what I what it's easy to forget is that so much of the sliver popularity is in sixty card casual, not EDH. Like it's there in EDH, but a lot of this stuff moves uh, from sixty-card players. In any case, I mean, if the European prices are that tempting compared to English prices, sure, no, no question. Um, and with all the silver hype lately, I mean, those prices are going to are not going to just fall off a cliff. They're gonna, um, you know, there's going to be a, a continued demand there, and you know, it might take a little bit of time for these to. To really get some height on them but I, I think you'll get there for sure over time
0: all right so your next selection is very similar to the cyclonic rift in terms of the dynamics Want to lead us into that one
1: yeah i'll just bang both of these out at the same time because well, you'll see in a moment but um I'm, my other two that i caught caught my eye this week were chrome mox and mox opal both double masters extended art foils uh Chrome Mox is at 85, Mox Opal at 75. Um, Chrome Mox is in 40,000 EDH rec decks. So pretty popular, in fact, more than I thought. It's actually like the top 25 most popular popular artifact in EDH, which I would not have guessed that it was top 25, um, or maybe it's like 26, but it's very close to that. I, uh, I thought that there'd be a lot more there. But I guess it's because it's colorless. It's not only an artifact, it's an artifact without any colored pips. Uh, there, It's down to 20 vendors who have copies of Chrome Mox uh, foil borderless. Uh, there's basically, I think no one has more than two, it looks like. Um, you'll buy these at 85. You get through two play sets and you're at 100 or so. Um, this, the price to supply ratio is very good compared to the other Mythics, especially the like more popular ones like Force of Will, Mana Vault, or Mana Crypt or whatever. Um, so it seems like this is just in a very good spot for price to supply to play patterns. And Mox Opal, um, basically the same boat, a little cheaper, 75 bucks right now. It sees about half as much EDH play at just under 20,000, but it's down to twelve vendors, so very low on Mox Opal. Um, so nobody has any of these left in stock. Basically, the price to supply ratio is better. There's less EDH demand, but you know Mox Opal is a competitive card in a way that Chrome Mox isn't. And let me just verify here for you: Mox Opal is banned in Modern, uh, but legal everywhere else. And Chrome Mox is. Uh, I think banned in Legacy as well, if memory serves me.
0: No, because it's in lands, I think. So uh, I, think, I think it's just banned in modern.
1: Mox Diamond? Diamond?
0: Yeah, maybe you're right, Mox Diamond.
1: Mox Diamond would be the one. Oh, but Chrome is legal in Legacy, sorry. But I don't think it sees a lot of play. Um, in any case, Mox Opal's numbers are very good. Truth be told, I don't have a very strong reason for why Mox Opal would be performing so much better than Chrome Mox in terms of supply. Because I I don't know what format people would be buying Mox Opal for that they're not buying it for Chrome Mox. I suppose it would just have to be like legacy, I think, because it's not modern. But the numbers are what they are. Um so I think if you're getting either of these at seventy five to eighty five bucks, you look to out them between one fifty and two hundred, probably late this year, next year, early next year, uh, you'll be happy either way.
0: There was a legacy challenge last week with a mono red deck that went six and one for fourth place. That ran four Chalice of the Void, four Chrome Mox, four Trinosphere, four Blood Moon, four Ancient Tomb, four City of Traders, Eleven Mountain, two Shatter Skull Smashing the uh, flip DFC land from ZNR to Anjay's ravager from commander 2019. And I would bet a million dollars. You don't know what that card does
1: Anjay's ravager. Yeah. <laughs> mm, that's uh, I could see it in my head, but I didn't know what it did. Oh, uh, Oh, this guy, I was thinking of the minotaur, not the vampire. This, this is
0: a 3-3 three, three for 3 Vampire Berserker, which I will freely admit I did not remember existed. Attacks each combat if able. Whenever it attacks, discard your hand, then draw three cards. It has Madness of 2. The rest of the deck is 4 Goblin Rabble Master, 3 handwear Garrison. This is the Human Soldier from Eldritch Moon for 3, where... You put, it's a 2-3, and, and when it attacks, you put 2-1-1 one, one red human creature tokens into the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And then you can flip it if you match it with the land, which I'm assuming they're also running, and then it turns into, sorry, you meld it, you don't flip it. And it turns into a 7-4 trample haste that it, when it attacks, you put two three two colorless Eldrazi horror creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And I'm pretty sure that was a loose pick of mine some years ago. <laughs> four legion war boss four Simeon spirit guide you get a place to play your new time spiral remastered foils four fireflux squad out of commander 2020 <laughs> another card i definitely did not know existed this is a four three for four human soldier um, but i guess Trinisphere makes everything cost three right yes it does it le- yeah. makes them cost at least three so, this is a 4 3 haste for 3. When it attacks, you exile another target attacking creature you control. If you do reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a creature card, put that card onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking, and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. And then 2 Hazaret the Fervent. 5 4 Indestructible Haste, Legendary Creature God from Amonket. Can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in hand. For 3, discard a card. Hazaret deals 2 damage to each opponent. This is a saucy Legacy deck. There must have been like if you were tabling this in paper, many of these cards would be readers for the opponent. <laughs>
1: Which is, as we all know, the uh, appeal of playing these cards is make if your opponent picks up the card, you've won. Like if you, they have to you, read you, it, you automatically you, win the yeah, game. You yeah. the moral victory in that situation.
0: All right, so that's uh, that's the deal with Chrome Mox in Legacy, apparently. Okay. Uh, which I let's assume there's one person in the world playing that deck. So I think your your point stands.
1: I mean, I, yeah, I, I've I've I I think that you will occasionally see both of them float through the format um, in these kind of wild decks. Uh, but I mean, you you know you, you get the idea where I'm coming from. In any case, I still think they're both they're both they're, good choices. You they're know. both
0: great EDH I, cards. I don't have to. Yeah,
1: I mean the twenty and forty thousand EDH decks are are both actually very great numbers. Like any other card, any non-artifact card that you find in twenty thousand EDH direct decks, you're like, oh, it's great. Like twenty thousand is, is excellent. Um, and frankly, I don't have to be able to pinpoint the specific reason people are buying Max Opal if the numbers look this good, right? Like, okay, I don't have to be a genius. I just have to be able to read.
0: And if you're right about all of these movements and it is also true of say the other top 20 borderless foils from vip packs those hundred dollar packs are going to look real fine a year a year and a half out which is as much as anybody could have expected really
1: yeah yeah you uh you guys did uh, had a good time with those that's for sure
0: well everybody seemed very upset about it like very concerned that they were going to get stuck holding it like they were upset that it retraced from the initial four to six week spike pattern when things were getting picked off and stoneforge mystics were getting shipped off to japan at elevated prices but the reality is that you buy any premium card or premium sealed product expecting it to get out immediately is a rarity like when you can do that power to you if you could flip your time spiral cases for double this month you're doing awesome but most of the time you expect things to take a little while to mature so yeah. uh, everyone these days is spoiled. Like True. this it, year, it, definitely. It, yeah, and not just this year, like the last seven years. <laughs> like, like we like we've got flesh and blood monarch deals that are follow-ons to the Crucible Award deals we did in the fall, where people had ninety dollar boxes. Somebody on our Discord sold a box of Crucible this week for thirteen hundred dollars. A box? A single box. And they got cases of those from us for $400 or less. <laughs> Most of mine I sold at $700 apiece. And I was like running, could not run through the door fast enough.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: And yeah. now the next set's coming out, Monarch, this month. And everybody thought they had theirs locked down from their local LGS. But lo and behold, allocations are real sketchy. And lots of orders got canceled. Lots of orders got Got swapped. You know, people uh, thinking they're getting um, first edition boxes of Monarch, and then being told, "Well, actually, we'll give you one first edition box, and the rest will be unlimited." Sorry about that. Ooh. Or people just people just being put in situations where they say, "Oh, sorry, like we don't have the full allocation, but you can buy. It. We're going to post some units at four hundred and fifty if you want those." Right. And pro traders are still getting access at less than a hundred dollars box. Um, I think our, I think the highest price they paid was something like 120 or 130 and market prices in the four to 500 range already on these monarch boxes so yeah people are definitely spoiled this year
1: well i just meant that's all amazing uh i meant spoiled such that you used to have to get cards and you never expect to turn around in six months or
0: three months it well was there's like, th- there's always been the f- buy and flip collections for margin.
1: Well, yeah, but I mean like you didn't buy cards on pure speculation with the expectation you were going to turn them around in a couple months. Like you can do that all day long now, but you back then it was like nothing moved that
0: fast. Well, you could you still had hype spikes that you could buy into. But okay. if you were buying for the future, yes, you were certainly waiting for a while.
1: Yeah, that was that was the best case scenario. Was uh Some cards spiked at like on a moto event or something like that. And you ran to your local store and picked up all their local copies before. But the guy checked behind the counter checked his phone or anyone else found out about it. Like that existed. But for the most part, like when you're trading, when you're trading for cards, (laughs) you you knew that there was going to be a time investment on this. And nowadays we're picking these cards. We're like, ah, this is a three to six month hold. But frankly, it could be two weeks. (laughs) It's like that did not exist in the quantity that it does today. Okay, uh, tell me about the rest of your cards here.
0: So these are actually pro trader selections. First, we've got BLKD Speeds, oh, right. uh, Fiery Islet foils from Modern Horizons. Largely have dried up in the U.S. under fifty dollars, calling uh, to pick these up in uh, uh, at in and around thirty in Europe, I think, and um look to exit on these around 60 keep in mind that fiery Islet has only only has a single printing uh foils in modern horizons which is a lower drop rate that that set is two years out from release at this point there's nothing on the horizon that looks like they would reprint them there's some weird scenario for modern horizons 2 where maybe they those all show up in the collector booster boxes or something but we don't have any information to confirm it um Bottom line is, it's the original printing of a card, which is currently a four of in the blue, red prowess decks in modern. So don't see any reason to be holding back on those.
1: Hmm. Well, I mean, if you're getting these again, uh, you know, it's one of these European things. Like if you're getting them at that price, uh, you know, below TCG low because you're buying overseas, then sure. like It's hard. You know, I can't really say that that's a bad choice.
0: Well, on TCG the ramp's real steep. Starts around thirty-eight dollars and goes right up to seventy in a hurry. Oh, that's 19 nice. Nineteen listings total, and nobody's got a nobody's got a deep wall.
1: Nobody. Okay. Solid.
0: And then the other selection is a fairly straightforward one that probably ranks up there alongside Cyclonic Rift as obvious but excellent. Uh, K from our Discord points out that Mana Crypt has jumped pretty hard. You've got one hundred and fifty-dollar regular copies from Double Masters floating around in North America this week. And you can still pick them up in Europe around $85. So 85 entry, looking to exit around anywhere from probably 135 to 200 depending on how things go in North America. It's Mana Crypt. It has been repeatedly resilient to reprints. I, I can't even tell you the number of times I've heard people complain about the reprints for this card. And every time the card has bounced back and made money. So on like, MK... Just to finish the point, keep in mind that we had it in mystery boosters a year ago, and then it was announced again six months later for double masters, and people were like, "Ah, twice in the same year, what the hell?" And now all of those copies are over 125. So and put and pushing to 150 to 200, etc.
1: In Europe, you can get borderless, non-foil monocrups for 85 bucks. Is
0: no, just your- no, no, no. Just pack just regular copies.
1: Oh, regular copies. Okay. okay. they have the
0: same art as the Judge Foils.
1: Yeah, okay. I mean, even still, that seems quite I solid. I sold multiple,
0: multiple of those in the 120s and then mid-130s and most recently low 140s. Oh. So probably the, the demand is real. It's Mana Crypt. Yeah. And Borderless Foils, I've held back my remaining copies, looking to sell them over 200 now.
1: Yeah, it looks like uh, the Borderless Foils are up around 250 or so.
0: And, and all of that stuff, like we had access via the group buys to Mystery Booster copies last spring at $70. Easy double up within a year. And similar pricing on the Borderless and Pack copies for Double Masters. Hmm. So, yeah.
1: Pretty nice. Mana-,
0: Mana Crypt is reliable, and group buys are awesome.
1: Yeah, i uh, I have worked with a... Yes, even, even my Monocryps that I bought from EMA, they, they worked out nicely, that card. Uh, eventually they will print it enough times that it is not worth... It, it It doesn't rebound the way it did, but they have not gotten there yet.
0: All right, we're going to swing on over to our final segment. We're going to have uh, Jason Alt, uh, Commander Commentator Extraordinaire, join us on Cast, Longtime writer for MTG Price, And help talk us through Strixhaven through the lens of EDH, uh, which will basically be our Strixhaven set review, as it were, since this is the format that matters most, especially during COVID. Okay, here we go. Jason E. Alt, Commander-in-Chief. Welcome back to MTG Fast Finance. I want you to call me Cody the Codex. Cody
2: the Codex. For this entire thing. All right, Cody.
1: Is there... Oh, Cody Merciferous Codex. Yes, the legendary book.
2: Who named that? Reddit? (laughs) Was Bookie McBookface copyrighted? Like, oh, Jesus. What a dumb joke. And it's like, they're like, oh, you don't understand. His real name isn't Cody. The kids at the school named him Cody. I'm like, but you wrote that they named him Cody. So you just did the whole Monopoly Man scene. From the Ace Ventura movie where it's like, oh, isn't that wacky that he's dressed like the Monopoly man? No, you told him to do that.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that's that's a that's a trope in writing. That's very frustrating. People are like, well, of course, that this had to happen. Like, it makes sense in the story. And it's like, yeah, but who wrote the goddamn story? They chose (laughs) to make it make sense. Right. Like, hmm.
2: oh, we didn't name him Cody. The Codex, the kids at Strixhaven, who we invented. Uh They're the ones with no imagination.
1: I mean, this is, you know what? This is also marketed at people who are genuinely excited about a Harry Potter set. So, yep.
2: Just Makes call me sense. Guesty McGuestface for the rest of this. What's this program called?
0: Magic MTG Realms or something? What? I don't realize this was a Vorthos podcast. <laughs> the The marketing program they announced, where they're going to do Warhammer and my oh, little pony and transformers and star wars and all that stuff over the next 5 years.
1: Uncharted Realms, right? Is that what it is? Realms Uncharted? Something yeah. yeah, I think it's some one of those two. So
2: this
0: is a nice kickoff with the
2: with the Harry Potter dot decks. It's not Harry Potter because these
0: kids learn math. Nobody at Hogwarts was ever taught math. Yeah, except Hermione seemed to be doing it using time spells or whatever. The it's hilarious to me that they even remotely tried to defend that this wasn't Harry <laughs> Potter. Like every single thing they revealed from start to finish was just like, "Come the fuck on!" Um, like,
2: hurry, Hogwarts has four schools, and Strixhaven has five schools. It's
1: every piece of information I found out about this set continues to upset me more. Like they have a, they have a Quidditch, yeah,
2: they've Quidditch, yeah, they Quidditch, they Quidditch
1: thing. Yeah, they do. And, they have, and the big bad guy is like an old alumnus with sort of a nondescript face who is angry at the school and comes back and attacks it. Like, are you kidding me? You couldn't even come up with your own villain you had to ape Voldemort?
2: Like, I don't, I, he's not that compelling. Are you kidding me? What is going on here? Just, yeah. Imagine Watsi seeing everybody mad at Therese Nielsen for being a transphobe two years ago, wincing knowing they were coming out with a Harry Potter set <laughs> in two years and there was no brakes on that train. It yeah. is it is
1: just intellectually bankrupt, like just just lack. I mean, it's just, you know, someone else made a comment. and saw something where, where people were talking about magic always pulls from other sources. And it's like, that's true. When they did Arabian Nights, like the second set in magic, it was pulling from that whole realm. But that wasn't a single proprietary identifiable piece of work. Like, that was this sort of diffuse, broad genre of story. And, like, Greek world and fairy tale world are, like, magic spin on this sort of cultural zone. Whereas this is like, hey, you know that book you like? We changed the name of it for legal reasons, and we designed <laughs> it again. <Yeah.
2: laughs> it's very specific. Like, the the rumored William Gibson uh, Kamagawa set coming out soon oh yeah it's not neuromancer it's uh
0: archaeomancer
1: the the shadow kamigawa or whatever
0: i really it's basically cyberpunk 2777 which is hilarious because that game's collapsed into obscurity right so now the whole cyberpunk genre has like a has a black mark on it All right. So Anyways, let's get Strixhaven, off the top, Jason, your hottest possible take. Is this a good, bad, medium set for Commander? I don't like Strixhaven for Commander per se.
2: But if you're familiar with my work, and if you're not familiar with my work, and you're listening to the MTG Price, MTG Finance podcast, and you don't read one of the uh, MTG Price writers' work, ouch. But, like, I get it. I understand. Um, If you're familiar with my work on mtgprice.com, your source for both MTGs and prices, they have both those things. Uh, If you are familiar with my work, you would know that I don't specifically love the cards in the set as much as I love what the new commanders do to the prices of older cards. In that respect, I think there are some very spicy commanders both in the Commander 2021 decks and in Strixhaven proper. Even if I don't think that there's a ton that's super impactful on the format in Strixhaven itself.
0: Okay. Now, when you're talking about you don't you're not a huge fan of Strixhaven overall. Do you? Is that because you personally don't connect to the set, or because you you think that there aren't that many cards in the set they're going to make much of an impact on EDH?
2: Well, both. Um, I don't see anything as a player I like. But if you go to edhrec.com, your source for both EDH and Rex, um, you look at the stuff that right now, and this is a bit preliminary. You know, we have like maybe a thousand decks um, of like, you know, of a given color, I mean, you know. Sure. I, I think so the, most, like, the most early going. Yeah. You know, under a thousand decks, not not like a thousand decks total, but like a thousand red decks, per, for example. Um, preliminarily, a lot of the stuff that's getting tested out, I think is pretty bad. Uh, I think Rip Apart and Fracture and Mortality Spear are all very bad spells, and they probably will not get played long-term. So that does open up some stuff that's getting underplayed to move up a little bit. But normally in a a, a set that has um, five dual-colored lands, you will see those near the top, and these are not, because this is a very bad cycle of land.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay, so, so wait, what were those spells that you named there? One of them was mortality rip apart.
2: spear, rip, rip apart. apart, and fracture. They're all in the top ten currently. Come on, scry Mortality
0: spear is the it's one. It's the one where, where if you gain you, life, you get yeah. to destroy a land permanent for green and black. It rip apart. You either deal three damage to target a creature or planeswalker, or destroy an artifact or enchantment at so theory, sorcery speed. Sure. So in theory, really flexible, but not an instant. And then Fracture is a black-white instant for white and black that says destroy target artifact enchantment or planeswalker but can't target creatures.
2: And there's also Vanishing Verse, which is a white and a black for a rare instant exile target monocolored permanent. I mm-hmm. think they thought that would get played a little bit more than it is, but so far in the deck submitted to EDH rec, uh, well, I mean, scraped by EDH rec. Uh, we're not seeing that. Vanishing Verse you know, played very little
1: that that one's surprising to me because of the similarity it bears to uh what was that that one from shadows over in the straw with Sorin anguished and
2: anguished making yeah which
1: yeah. is like the top played gold card right like actual gold card not artifact with two colors on it
2: it's top five for sure it's very yeah, high. anguished and making is very good um not being able to hit a multicolored
0: permanent um doesn't seem great
2: you know, I, I would just... The card, ex-
0: card's going to see play, but it, just, it doesn't have the penultimate flexibility that you want to get people. I mean, if
2: you're taking a Crib Swap or an Unmake out for this, maybe, but like you're not going to take <laughs> Utter End or Anguished Unmaking out for this. You might not even take Vindicate
0: out for this. Hmm. And, and the but, problem that's building over time is that they've printed... They're going to get to the point where they've printed every variation of kill that could ever exist. And you have... The super top tier top 10 spells, your swords to plowshares and your deadly brolics and whatever that are kind of universally useful. And then everything else is just going to be, you know, played if you got it. But it's it's not going to be ubiquitous because there's just too many options.
1: Well, that that bumps into what Rosewater has always said will be what actually kills magic. It's not power creep. It's complexity creep. You know, all the basic. Templates for those types of cards will eventually run out, so they'll have to come up with more complicated and convoluted versions of
0: them, and that's the complexity. Well, I mean, Jason, can you think of a set that has more words per card than Strike Save?
2: Um, not recently, you know. It's crazy.
0: Did you it's also? Like, it's not. I, it's not quite Ice Age, it? but it's pushing it. And, and honestly, my impression of Ice Age may be based on a like ha- like a double handful of rares and it's possible this is actually more wordy than and, and there's a real flavor fail because you would think that at least with the, the silver quill cards there would have been an internal dialogue about making them the leanest meanest most efficient wordings possible like you can't have more than 12 words on the card for the entire school because that's kind of their whole thing
1: That, that's amusing except that really battles design space because really word efficient
0: cards are hard to design yep would have been tough but it would have been real impressive if they pulled it off true all right so let me let me run through my it looks like I forgot to mention this on cards to watch I don't think yeah we I didn't call this finish calling this because we got sidetracked so let me, let me kick things off with what I think is the brick I am most likely to target soonest. I'm after Cunning Rhetoric. You know, I thought that...
1: I said, I'm like, oh, what's your last card, James? And you're like, oh, we have the listener cards. And I'm thinking to myself, did I, did I have a
0: stroke? Like, I'm pretty sure he did not talk <laughs> about that card. But go ahead. Yeah, so Cunning Rhetoric looks interesting to me. I don't know that it's a Smothering Tithe level card but if Smothering Tide is a 9 or a 10, this is probably a 6 or a 7. 2 and a black for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent hacks you or one or more Planeswalkers you control, exile the top card of that player's library. You may play that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. So it's a bit of a rattlesnake where they're just giving you resources over and over again to attack you. Um, Yeah, it's a mind's dilation that they have an easier
2: time not triggering. People don't like mind's dilation, because they're like oh I, I just can't play a spell, but for this is like oh I can attack someone but you, like it, they have an easier time getting around this, so it's it's less offensive I think.
0: Now I have to compare it to something like a Phyrexian arena, a super ubiquitous Uber staple, um, or even an Underworld Dreams where you're going to have tr- be trading small amounts of life for cards over some period of time and be guaranteed to draw them. People can just ignore you, but if they choose to ignore you and not give you the card access then you know you're getting chance a chance to set up your game plan
1: no i actually think that you're comparing this to the wrong card i don't think this is you this is in competition with something like fraxian arena i think this is compared to propaganda
2: or ghostly no mercy maybe sure because
1: you're essentially playing is a three-month enchantment that makes it harder for your opponents to attack you
0: so these are currently going on pre-order somewhere around four or five dollars. I'd like to see them get under four, but I and I don't think this is a future thirty dollars card necessarily. But I could easily see this being a future ten to fifteen dollars card, and buy listing being somewhere between eight and twelve a year from now. Especially because it's not from Strixhaven proper; it's from the Commander decks themselves. Oh, this is from the
1: Commander decks,
0: Strixhaven decks. Yeah.
1: Well, that helps.
0: I, I'm I'm. Admittedly, like a touch
1: lukewarm on it. I, 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 my concern being that it might read better than it plays. Do you have an opinion, Jason?
2: I play a lot of minds dilation. This is my kind of card, but like my kind of cards aren't necessarily universally picked up i have to play a lot more webcam with a lot more people because every time i play webcam with someone everyone's like well Hell of possession what's that do i'm like it does everything why
0: aren't you playing with possession <laughs> i my thinking here is bolstered by the fact that the decks don't have a lot of reprints this year like this is the the uh, we're getting commander decks with every set these days but the spring group of five decks is supposed to be the you know the ultimate annual release and most people were expecting there to be a greater uh, group of reprints worth you know with a higher uh, market value. I like the, it this way uh, that might I be do unpopular, too and, but, and in yeah. the absence of those cards whatever's good in here, even if it's only medium good should be able to rise faster.
1: Well, that's that's very fair, and that's that's sort of an invisible aspect of this that makes it hard to evaluate this type of thing, because, you know, I can say, well, the card seems like, I, I don't know, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. It's just like I, I, I can't quite tell yet. Um, I need more information before I, I really form an opinion about whether it's good or not. But if the supply is so limited compared to what we would normally expect it to be, maybe, you know. It's secretly going to be a lot more rare than we would otherwise anticipate it being.
2: And this could be a Savine's Reclamation, where it's a very good card that is not free to achieve its own potential because it is constrained by being in the same $40 deck as a $50 card. Like, if there's something in the deck that's just bonkers, it doesn't really matter what cunning rhetoric does. It's just going to
0: be super cheap because it's a free card. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, there is another angle here that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, but it's going to matter, um, and that's that the Strixhaven Collector Booster, uh, whose contents have mostly been explored from the angle of which of the Mystical Archive versions am I supposed to be chasing after, has a little sneaky slot that some people may have missed that says one slot is dedicated to an Extended Art Commander card from the Commander 2021 deck. so these five decks we're talking about, that's a rare or a mythic from those. So that means there is a non-foil extended art cunning rhetoric that only comes out of the collector boosters. Yep.
1: that and, no, That's interesting. That's I interesting. would imagine
0: that the bet, if we can figure out the five best of those, six months out, they're going to be dried up and facing very nice buy lists.
2: Yeah, if you look at like an extended art Thassa's Oracle, that went up way faster than anybody thought. And it's not even that special. It's just like a little bit more border,
0: but... I, I was well, in on those at thirty two dollars a play set this time last year and whew. just sold a set yesterday for one thirty five.
1: Well, Foss is Oracle. I mean, that's <laughs> I don't. Can you even call that an EDH card? I mean,
2: no, it's a CEDH card, and that's that's a hundred
0: card vintage.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it, but it's it's a competitive card. I think is, is it's it's my... a
0: multi format, no multi format yeah. stable. So Cunning Rhetoric Rhetoric is not that. But I'm looking mm-hmm. to figure out. Like, personally, I don't see a Smothering Tithe here in this set, but I see a bunch of stuff that's, like, another step down below that. And I'm not sure which of the 15 cards I've got my eyes on are going to be the five that I really want to be deep on this collector slot. I've made way less money on Smothering Tithe than I have
2: on Rishkar's expertise, right? Like, I think Surge to Victory is a Rishkar's expertise in waiting. I think you're going to hit those bulk rares that just get ridiculous versus...
0: Finding the forty dollar card for twenty-five. Jason, um, do you do you have a card that approximates a smothering tithe? Like the thing that you think is going to be most ubiquitous across the greatest number of decks out of either Strixhaven Proper or the Commander the five commander decks?
2: I don't think anything's that good or ubiquitous. I think Monologue Tax was the card that I wish they'd made instead of Smothering Tithe. Okay. But it's not Smothering
0: Tithe. Right. So you know, I heard you guys on BSB talking about monologue tax and there's been other dialogues this week it's i think everybody agrees that because you get you have less guaranteed treasure tokens it's clearly just an inferior smothering tax smothering tithe but would you yeah. if you were running a white deck would you run this as your second smothering tithe that's kind of worse you run both yeah sure. you run both like so smothering tithe didn't make people take land tax out of their deck they're just like value is value so are you interested in a brick of monologue tax at Lowe's? It'd have to get pretty low, but yeah, I guess so. Yeah um, I think so too.
2: But I I would also be worried based on what they've said about White specifically. I was very interested in Verge Rangers and then they came along and made uh Ranger of the Accord or whatever. Um so I'm real worried about them making a card that is between monologue tax and smothering tithe. <laughs> sure. Could happen, yeah. In the next year, because it seems like that's what they're trying to do. So I'm a
0: little bit nervous about white cards for EDH specifically right now. It Mm. definitely feels like they're trying to probe for that sweet spot where they can identify the correct way to introduce ramp into white. Because we also have the other one that's worth talking about in the same framework, Archeomancer's Map, uh, which is an artifact uh, for two and a white. When Archeomancer's map enters the battlefield, search your library for up to two basic planes cards, reveal them, put them into your hand, and shuffle. <clears throat> and then whenever a land enters the battlefield under your opponent's control, if that player controls more lands than you, you may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So at minimum, you're pulling two planes out of your deck, uh, basic planes, and putting them in your hand for three. And then if yeah. anybody gets hey, ahead of you on they, land count, you start getting <laughs> extra drops. They combined Kadama's
2: Reach and Burgeoning and then gave it not to green. That's beautiful. <laughs>
1: So, is is this then your card?
2: I like map a lot. It's... They've tried to even the playing field by, like, pull, holding the other colors back. Like, uh, what was that? Um, Conundrum? The uh, the blue thing they just printed? That mm-hmm. uh, if they ramp, they bounce a land? Like, sure, sure, sure. Nobody even cared about that card, because... Holding the other players back doesn't help you get ahead. It's not as satisfying. And even though that works from a gameplay perspective, and I liked it as like from a design perspective, I guess, people weren't really as interested in that as Wizards thought they were going to be. People would really rather break parity by getting ahead. Um, It's not as sexy to uh, push other people back unless you're, like, psych rifting them, right? It's got to be really big and splashy. And just making them bounce a land if they ramp it, it is not splashy. Yeah. So you're that just giving the strong. landfall player landfall triggers. Like, when people play that against me, I'm like, cool, I have Sakura Tribe Elder. Um, you did it. Or Sakura hmm. Tribe Scout, I mean. You know, the one that, that taps it's, to put a land yeah, in place. So, like, a I'll just play. do it on everyone's turn. It's fine.
0: Now, there's some subtleties with map because it's an artifact, not an enchantment. It looks like it would be an enchantment, but... Given that it's an artifact in decks like Brea, you can just recycle this out of your yard over and over again and draw a bunch of lands. I mean, yeah, you're in a Brea deck that's running a bunch of planes, though. So once you get all your duels out and your uh, Triome, I guess. Yeah, yeah. how many basic planes do I run in Brea? I think one. So (laughs) Not as exciting as as mentioned. But white does have access, not necessarily in Brea per se, but if you were in a two-color you know a boros flavored artifact recursion deck which they've given us a bunch of tools for here. I mean, they there are opportunities to be bringing this back multiple times to get multiple sets of plants. Probably in it more of an edge case, I suppose. Um I just think kind of
2: some of the some of the $4 cards you know that are like they they're, they're going to go from like 5 to 2 to 5 are the cards I kind of like, right? Um, I like stuff like Cursed Mirror and Guardian Augmenter in the in the EDH set versus stuff that I think is like everybody missed. People don't really miss anymore. I'm surprised everybody missed Smothering Tithe the way they did. Sure. Like I was in those at like fours or something dumb like that. Like it just Whew. I thought it was gonna go to six or seven. Yeah,
1: yeah but yeah, so you were in at four, but would you sell at eight? <laughs> I still haven't. You still haven't.
2: I, I'm very lazy. I'm better at buying magic cards than I am at selling them, well, which is I, why I have so many demonic consultations.
1: You, you are you are approaching wrapping
2: back around and having this reprinted
1: out from underneath you.
2: I'll just wait it out. Again? <laughs> Again. doesn't matter. That, not, not, I mean, there's no obvious place. A card in, is made of Teflon, right? It's well, a there's, no, of there's no
0: obvious foil printing slot for it any time this year. And, and it's very unlikely to show up in one of the cheaper commander decks. I mean, if they're not going to give good reprints to these decks, the rest of the, the the two commander decks you get for the rest of the sets for the year seem very unlikely to have it. And a- and
2: that's really kind of limiting what they can reprint. Because if, if they'd done reprints in these, they could have at least given us something like a training grounds tier. But like, if they're relegating it to like the $25, here's three new cards and a bunch of like $2 reprint decks which are fine. I still buy those. They still put good cards in those. You can't put a $40 card in there. So yeah. like,
0: what do they do then? Yeah. So, I mean, I would, I would guess like if commander 2020 commander legends two is November 2022 or something. Oh, I don't
2: think it's soon. Whenever I that think is. they Whether waited it's... to see how it sold before they greenlit a
0: second one that, and Gavin didn't say that, but he said it. Okay. So let's say mm. that that's 2023 or something. That's the Smothering Tithe slot. Because they'll charge premium price. And one of the great things you can, you can get in the rare slot is Smothering Tithe. With new you artists. think they're
1: going to wait three years to reprint Smothering Tithe?
0: Where else? There's nothing else this year where they can print it that it makes mm. any sense. It's not going to be Another set Horizons. of Brawl decks! Sure.
2: I mean, it's yeah. not going to be in Modern
0: Horizons. It's not going to be in the D&D set. Yeah, but
2: I never saw the board game coming. Right? I
0: was like, <laughs> where are they going to reprint the... <laughs> What
2: was that? Collective Brutality or whatever? Yeah. No, the uh, whatever, the, the enchantment that gave you extra attack phases. There's just nowhere to reprint that. And then they're like, here's a board game, idiot. No one's going to buy the board game, but they will buy the singles. And I was like, all right, touche, you found a way.
0: I think well, they'll find a way. I, there, was I, a, there was also the survey information that was floating around within the last week where it seemed like they were going to be trying to do a membership driven secret layer program. That's the kind of thing where if there's four exclusive secret layers that you only get if you commit to the annual membership, then you can start making arguments that Smothering Tithe level cards can make their way into those to give people some real impetus to be signing up. How did you guys feel about that when you saw that they were potentially doing it? Let me finish my thought.
1: I want to say that I don't disagree that it doesn't look like there's... A lot of places to reprint Smothering Tithe right now, but this is rapidly shaping up to be a major portion of the format, and they hate having cards like this hang out there that are so popular and so useful. In the color they're trying to fix, that people can't afford to buy, so
0: they'll do a Commander Collection white. Well, but the thing is that they they're give, they created a bunch more cards that make treasure tokens, and so they're trying to come at the problem sideways. And Monologue Tax is clearly an attempt to make a slightly less powerful Smothering Tithe that many, you know, pl- players that don't try to optimize their decks will be happy to just slide in there and be fine with. I,
1: I can't pretend to know when they're going to reprint this, but I would definitely not expect it to take till 2023. I, think, I don't think Wizards wants to let it go that long.
0: I need to see the slate of products for 2022 to know for sure. But nothing this year.
1: Um... To your question about the secret layer stuff, it, yeah. it it really rubbed me the wrong way when I first looked at it. Like I'm just like, man, you guys are just turning this to 11, but it doesn't look good. Like neither of those options looked like something basically anyone would buy because they're so bad. Why am I paying $300 a year for I mean, what do you get out of it? Like you would get you were getting a 10% discount on secret layers, which like okay, if you buy every single secret layer in a year, I don't even think that's three hundred dollars at ten percent off, um, unless there's some very expensive ones, and even then, that's pushing it. And I mean, what are going to be in those super special secret layers that are going to make this worth it? And the hundred dollar folded up hundred dollar
2: bill is in there. If it's a secret secret layer, then it's. It'll be it's uh, just you just flip awesome. it, you know, like I just made money. The Walking Dead secret layers were whatever, but I just flipped them. I didn't care. So yeah. if you're buying them to flip them, having exclusive secret layers, I think will pay themselves off.
1: Well, well, yes, but it'll only pay themselves off because nobody else. No one will buy the damn thing. So there will only be 40 people who have got access to
0: them, essentially. I, I strongly disagree with that. The, I, I think that that whole program is a nod to them understanding that the whales have kept them afloat during COVID and are a, f- a segment that they've undermined over time and that they're going to want to mine a lot harder moving forward now that they've seen how resilient the collectibles industry was to this whole situation this year. And you got to understand there are like, how much secret layer do you have to buy to be willing to have a $300 membership? Well, you' probably if you're getting 10% off you' gonna you want to be spending 3,000 a year so if secret layers are 30 apiece you got to be buying 100 secret layers if there's 10 secret layers a year then you're buying 10, uh, 10 units per secret layer and you're getting the four other ones there's a bunch of people in our Discord that are in that position there are people if you look at TCG player and what happens when secret layers land there are usually several dozen uh, vendors that are that deep on the product. And this is basically encouraging vendors to deal direct with wizards instead of with their distributors to get access to a product that is reliably gaining ground. A lot Ooh. of a lot of vendors shied away from the secret layer because they were like, "Well, fuck this. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay full retail for this shit. Because then, what am I gonna sell it for?" But now, a year later, you look back at what most of those secret layers are going for, and they found out what they're gonna sell them for. Yeah, they like exactly. They they look like bargains at $30 and $40 because a lot of them are worth upwards of $75 to 100 But I'm not
1: saying any of that's wrong. I'm just saying that the number of people who are going to engage in that type of thing is, is low. Sure, right? but they,
0: it, like, they, that, that program is not aimed at, the, at 20 million Magic players. It's aimed at 5,000 people Well, I very, mean, very specifically. Same with the the people in our Discord, right? Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, if that's the case, that's fine. And that's essentially what I figured would happen is, you know, when you look at that one that costs $300, you're like, okay, this is not for the people on my timeline who are EDH players. This is not for uh, Shivam and and all of those guys who talk about what deck we're going to build this week. This is for Mike Cafferty and liz and and people in our discord who do this as a business this is essentially the commercial version of secret layer so there will be people who will buy it it just won't be that many
0: they they should do three options and I'm, i'm guessing this is where they'll end up the buy whenever you want no commitments the
1: which is what they do today
0: the ninety nine yeah, exactly. The ninety nine dollars a year and you get access to the the bonus secret layers you can't get access to otherwise and you gotta sign up for it up front.
1: That was not in the hundred dollar version, right? That was only the three hundred dollar version. It was, it no, was it the was discount $100. that was
0: missing. The discount was missing. Yeah, and oh, then okay. and then I think there will be a vendor tier that includes the discount.
1: So essentially you just think they're gonna do what was in the survey
0: it could easily Depending be Depending on the results of the survey. Sure, I mean they're going to they're going to respond to the survey results and and adjust accordingly. But I I would imagine if I was doing it, it costs them basically nothing to support the tiers. They're already clearly planning on doing some ultra sweet secret layers that you can only get access to if you give them more money up front. So everything else beyond that is is just semantics, right? Like they can just they'll it's just how they type out the words on the website that explain the policy. Um, I think it's gonna be. I think it's gonna be a huge hit for whales um, because whatever it is, having secret layers where you had to sign up last year to get access to, to like a smothering tithe foil extended art by Seb McKinnon, <laughs> everyone will go ape shit. And be like, wow, that was the greatest value ever. Like That one card in the third one is worth the entire year's membership. And it's going to end up like... Keep in mind that they've already done this. <clears throat> Not at Wizards, but at Hasbro. Hasbro yeah. Pulse is Hasbro's direct-to-consumer uh, e-commerce platform. And they did things like the Unicron that was you had to pre-fund a year early and spent s- several hundred dollars on. And now they're going for two grand or whatever. Yep. They did the the Jabba the Hutt skiff uh or whatever that you had to pre-fund there's all sorts of transformers and star wars exclusives on pulse that you have to be a member to get access to san diego comic-con exclusives get dealt with that way these days um so this is not new for hasbro this is just wizards finally getting into sync with what hasbro already thinks they're supposed to be doing with direct to consumer it's, it's treating the cards more like collectibles yeah than
2: like strict strictly like game pieces right Correct. like Hasbro can't make any money selling a chance card for Monopoly but yeah. dealing yeah, it, yeah. dealing with it as a, a monopoly set that's exclusive I think and, I think wizards can learn a few things from Hasbro I think there's a lot of mistakes they can make listening to Hasbro
0: people but <laughs> true I it, mean on the digital side that's pretty much all they've done across the board
1: it's it's not like a heat. The product that was, you know, the, the idea behind it. And as I, it, my first blush was like, this is almost offensive. But when I stopped and thought about it, I'm like, I guess it doesn't really matter. Like it's, a, it just doesn't matter because the the people who, who are into it from a, I'm going to, I'm going to be able to make money off this. So Mike Cafferty's are going to buy it and they'll be happy with it. Uh and everyone else will just buy the singles for those super premium ones and and they'll live with it because they paid, you know, ninety dollars for the one card they wanted out of it. Uh and didn't have to commit to everything else. Like it's fine at the end of the day, it's just not a product that's meant for most people. And I guess I think that's probably where most of the the bristling that kind of people experience was was just this isn't for me. This is garbage. And well, gotta, There's also the, there's the, there's also the whole, like, it. this
0: is wizards being money-grubbing, getting more money. Well, yes, yes true, and that's what they do, because they're a profit engine, and that's all they know how to do. But it's also a silly accusation to make, because the alternative, if you compare it to their original business model, is that you have a much less efficient system. In the original Magic model, they... Pay a printing company, a third-party printing company, to print their product, and then that company has to give it to a logistics warehousing company that has to transport it to a bunch of individual stores, and then those individual stores have to sell it to you. Whereas this is removes a bunch of that fat in the middle, and then they get to keep a, a higher margin. Well, How's KeyForge doing these days?
2: Because <laughs> KeyForge is the the game that everyone complaining about this sort of thing. That's the game they want, but they're not playing KeyForge because KeyForge sucks.
0: Well, and, not, key, that, and the and, card and, is not being collectible. Well, sucks. and the funny thing is, KeyForge supposedly is a good game, like fun to play. But as with lots of other things, like there's a there's a game that's basically like Magic, but everything either costs zero or one, called Epic, where it's a yeah, and that game is super fun and super cheap, and you could easily replace Magic in your life with Epic, and be totally fine. Um, and they put out multiple iterations over several years, and th- they've all been fun. I but was going to mention a different Wise Wizards
2: game, uh, Star Realms. That's the sure. game I really like. Oh, yeah, that sure. was yeah, Darwin yeah.
1: Castle. Was that him?
2: Yeah, it's
0: Darwin and uh, Rob Dowdy actually. Right. right. And, and those are good, good iterations, but they demonstrate that people need to get with the program. Collectibility is why magic still exists it's in, why it's continued uh, to expand and that, even star realms has expansion so like they've
2: recognized that like as much as like keyforge is cool because it's forced limited garfield wanted you to buy a deck and your friend bought a deck and you busted it open and then you played against each other you know that's what keyforge is, is like no this is your deck idiot no no point in going on ebay and buying more cards because you can't play them this is this is your deck list i gave it to you it's random
0: live the, with the, it the reason and, anybody is willing yeah. to buy a thousand dollar masterpiece soul ring at this point and put it in the edh deck is because they trust that that format is still going to exist yeah five ten years down the road exactly yeah. yes so there's there's nothing that they lose nothing
1: i do think it's funny james that you're like well of course wizards is doing this strategy because it allows them to make more money and it has based your your strategy there essentially uh erases the broad strokes of retail like just retail sales well, in, well, in in well, in, it, the western, do- in the western yeah, 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 world. but it,
0: but it doesn't <laughs> because of the limited option if wizards kept went with a different strategy where they kept secret layer perpetually in print but you could only get it from them and those card and say for instance you they started printing original cards in those in secret layer so matter uh, time as they did with the walking dead if that was a constant where there's cards you need for your deck but the the LGS has no access to those cards except through the secondary market then the bitching and moaning from the lgs's would make a lot more sense but the reality is that most of what goes through secret layer is alt art reprints and when the lgs's balked at buying them at retail they were wrong because when they are only available for a limited period of time they're Mm -hmm. virtually guaranteed to go up in price and so they're not really buying at retail they're buying it wholesale but everybody including the players has access to the wholesale price uh,
1: what I was saying is your, your your point was, well, they get rid of, you know, the guys who have to ship the product and blah, blah, blah. Like you're cutting all the middlemen out. And it's like, sure, I don't disagree with any of that. But why is that not? That should just become the case for every form of retail.
0: Well, we're which it kind of, of is. is too, well, right? like well, that's just yeah. During COVID, the billionaires all became even greater billionaires because that's exactly what happened. The because Amazon's... Everybody- bought yeah. from amazon yeah. exactly i mean the amazons of the world became the most efficient solution that was protected by legislation yeah. to to stay in business and get got to keep infecting their staff while small businesses had to close <laughs> and so more and more of the and even the walmarts the... of the world were able to be like we'll do curbside and then your mom and pop grocery store said guess we'll die now yeah and, it, and by no means am i advocating that like wizards march to late towards the perils of late stage capitalism is like to be ignored Everybody should keep fighting the good fight. But you have to accept that if you're engaging with Magic, you're engaging with this. This is going to be the thing. There is no amount of Twitter bitching that's ever going to change that. And it's super apparent that programs like Secret Layer are net positive for players that get involved because the vast majority of them go up in price. So as long as they keep the program relatively along the same lines where you have, you know, sexy reprints by strong artists that are time limited and aren't printed like we, we figure that print runs are somewhere between 10,000 and 30,000 for most secret layers. That's a very solid uh, interval to make for strong collectibles. I mean if they were printing if they were printing them at the same level as standard sets, that would be a different matter. And if they were printing new cards, that would be a different matter, but it, it's looking pretty good.
2: They're just giving people that want to throw more money at Wizards an opportunity to do that. And yep. like, I think FOMO is, it's just, it's something you got to get over. Yep. I, I think the people that engage in finance more have learned to get over that because there's always another opportunity yeah. to make some money. And even if you're mm-hmm. like, oh, I missed on that, it feels bad. Once you get over that and you're like, look, the money I make in MTG Finance is buying collections at, at BuyList and selling them for retail. That's not sexy. So, like, we, we in the finance community don't talk about the unsexy churn, like, just grind money that we make, which is a, a lot of where we make our money. We talk about the specs because that's what people want to hear about, right? But, like, a lot of these opportunities to make money don't sound super sexy, so people don't want to hear about it. But
0: yeah, this is enough. this is for us, you know, so I will right, we'll just right. be okay with it. All right, so we we've diverged off on that path for a while. Let's. I was gonna say, aren't we supposed sh- to talk about Strixhaven? Yeah, jump back on over <laughs> to Strixhaven. Here's but, how
1: much Jason likes Strixhaven for EDH. Uh, we spent the entire time talking about this non-existent program instead
0: of Strixhaven. So, Jason, how good is Oversimplify as a green-blue sweeper that can be can lead to shenanigans? Um, I think
2: they may wish they hadn't printed this card. I like. As, a, as someone who's going to have to play EDH in games where someone resolves this, I don't I don't like this spell. Exile
0: um, all creatures, too. Yeah. Not, and it not destroy, too. not bounce. Exile for five mana in green-blue. Uh,
1: it's been a long time since I, I... Actually, I don't know if I ever built a straight Simic deck in EDH. All of my Simic decks were like Rug or, or um, Zultai or something. Is there an effect approaching this in blue-green at this point? I mean, it's like um, not,
2: I Cyclonic like Rift, turn to swine or whatever.
1: Sure. <laughs> Which, okay, so... <laughs> yeah. That doesn't seem like it counts. This is
2: an absurd magic card. Yeah.
0: Looks like it to me. I think and you're going to break parity
2: because you are putting extra counters on there with, your, uh, with all your stuff, you know? Your really? doubling seasons and your uh, hardened scales. You're going to win. Your creatures are going to be bigger than they were before, and your opponents are going to be the same size, so
1: presumably anytime you're the one casting the 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 wrath you're breaking parody because you don't cast it when you're not breaking parody
2: surely but there's never a, a bad time to cast oversimplify they made it a little too easy and then named it aptly <laughs>
0: well and if and if you're going we'll to real wide, that then if you're playing like green green blue creature token counter stuff or you're playing a tracks of creatures or something, You're going to have the biggest thing on the board after all this. If you're playing a deck that has a bunch of bouncing effects, like uh, what's the blue enchantment where every time a creature comes into play, you can pay one to bounce a creature? Equilibrium. Yeah. You knew I would know that. Equilibrium with Oversimplify gets real fun.
1: Equilibrium is awesome. I put that in more than one deck.
0: This, This is a unique... This is real different than all that point removal that we were dissing because this doesn't really exist in these colors it's got the same exact art as "Dismiss into dream <laughs> yeah um I remember that card. it starts with exile of creatures there's just there's just an end there's a rumor that in modern horizons 2 there's some kind of uh i can't remember if it's simic or not but a new commander that's going to play things from exile so if that ends up being true this only gets better if that ends up being true, I think uh, food chain becomes two hundred bucks. Well, that food chain's already been targeted on that basis. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize that oversimplify was eleven dollars. Yeah, because it was pre-selling
2: um, for like eight bucks everywhere, but it's uh, it's sold out already.
0: Interesting. All right, so we think we agree that oversimplify might be a brick. Um, how about secret rendezvous? One double white sorcery speed you and another player draw three cards I think it's more cute than good personally it's only Um, an uncommon as well
2: yeah but but, I I, I don't know this is not a new effect for white but I think also 90% of the people playing EDH now weren't playing in mirage so I just you know like oh this isn't new but
0: it's new yeah it's it can't drink so it's new This has good Mm -hmm. politics, and to me that spells it Mm -hmm. it will slip its way into the format over time. Well, Uh, they banned a card that was like this,
2: Trade Secrets, because players would get into a pod with their buddy, you know? Yeah. So it would be two unsuspecting people and then two people working as a team. So, like, this isn't... It's not quite Trade Secrets where you could both draw your deck with your buddy, but it's just another thing like that. This could buy you somebody not attacking you. This could buy you three treasure tokens with Hall Breacher. There's a lot you could do with this card. I think it's interesting.
0: It has a very similar dynamics to uh, one of the rares from the Commander decks, uh, Promise of Loyalty. Four and a white for a sorcery. Each player puts a vow counter on a creature they control and sacrifices the rest. Each of those creatures can't attack you or Planeswalkers you control for as long as it has a vow counter on it. So you leave... Isn't that busted? Yeah, you leave behind a smaller board, but none of them can attack you. (laughs) That seems fun. I really like them ever since they printed
2: Thantus, them sorta of like we don't like those big intractable boards. We like people attacking and if we have to force them to attack to get them to attack, so be it. I really like all kinda of, the vows. The vows are great. Anything where you can make someone have to attack and not attack you, you're doing two good things to make the game faster. And I I, I think this is kind of an absurd card
0: yeah it looks pretty good
2: because when you cataclysm somebody they're like oh i get to keep one creature well it's coming at your face but it can't even do that how dirty is that
1: I, i like to push towards increasing people the the requirements essentially of people to attack and keep the board flowing because those board stalls were frequent and frustrating and, and designing the board the cards a little bit to to tweak that i agree is is healthy for the format. we're gonna have more fun games playing these cards yeah i think
0: it's some of the most interesting design space they've explored for commander the influencing the the game flow and keeping things moving um well, i like insurrection so much is just like if if you're gonna want to play a
2: three-hour game where nobody attacks i refuse
1: <laughs> okay insurrection i hate but that's uh
2: well, All right. I think the best thing about Insurrection is if you played a bunch of mana ramp to play Insurrection on turn one, it would do literally nothing. I love a game ending spell that like you can't make good by playing it early. Insurrection is only good when when it ends the game that needs to end.
1: I, I don't. Well, OK, I don't know. My problem with Insurrection was always that you had this card where one person isn't necessarily doing a lot, or maybe they are, but you have a you have a game at parity. Like the game can be moving, things can be happening, creatures are in play, stuff is occurring, and then somebody resolves instruction and nobody has a counter, and everyone on the table's dead. Like it just the game just ends. Like it just it just isn't an interesting way for a game to end, in my opinion.
2: I think it's no less interesting than someone just. Taking a five-minute turn where all they do is mill themselves and Thassa's Oracle. I mean that's like. bad. T-
1: that's bad too. And so is uh, which one call it that one that like the nine mana
2: put every creature in every graveyard into play under your control. Okay. Rise of the Dark Realms. You're just naming seventy-five percent cards to hurt me. <laughs> Those that's I, I don't think that card's fun either. A little better than Insurrection because it I seems more likely I think 9 mana is, is
0: the compete. sweet spot where you can allow people to have game-winning effects. And the table has to be ready to either deal with them or accept the loss and move on. I have 15 EDH decks. I would like to
2: have a three-hour game session be more than one game.
0: Sure. And Jason has played those kind of cards against tables I've been involved in a few times, and it just makes sense to me. Like, I have no problem shuffling up once we've been playing for 30 minutes. Uh,
1: me neither. It's not like I want to, I don't love three-hour games either, and I agree they have to end, but it, I don't those cards feel like they're usually unnatural ends to to the game.
2: Like, Well, I mean, it can be like seven mana and the text says you win the game and i've never seen insurrection be anything other than that yeah but like everybody has to help if you cast insurrection on turn one you wouldn't win the game and that's what i like about it okay because if they printed a if they printed a card that cost the exact same amount of mana as insurrection and all it said was you win the game players would build decks where they tutor for it and like ramp into it and play it on turn one
1: well, right. I mean, I'm not. You could make a worse version of the card. I'm not arguing that. <laughs> uh, or, or a version of the card that's less fun. But if you want to debate chat EDH with me, you know, invite me to brainstorm. We're here to talk about it. Strixhaven, right? We got to
2: really cannot stand
0: I think we're done, personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a pair of sneaky cards here I want to talk about. Yeah, let's do it. Rush Rebirth and Double Major. Rush yeah. Re, Rush Rebirth, green and a black. Instant. Choose target creature. When that creature dies this turn, search your library for a creature card with lesser mana mana value. Put it onto the battlefield, tap, then shuffle. This is a creature tutor that puts it right into play, and it doesn't exile itself. So you can cast this, you can bring this card back later with some green return card to hand effect, and then do this again later in the game when it completes your combo, wins the game, or brings out something ridiculous. And... You can just, there's very little opportunity cost to sitting on this in your hand. At some point in relatively early in the game, by turn four or five or six, somebody is going to kill something of note. It doesn't and even
2: have to be your creature. I think some people miss that the first time they
0: read yeah. this. And it doesn't have to, have to be a creature that you, yeah. And it doesn't even have to be a creature you killed. It's right. just somebody's creature dies and you're going to get something that has a lesser mana value and put it right into play. That is a sneaky good tutor.
2: You know what's funny? I think this card is twice as good as Double Major, and it's worth half as much money currently. It's pre-selling for half as much.
0: Yeah, that's right. $1, ninety nine at Cool Stuff Inc. versus $3.99 for Double Major.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I didn't really find
1: Double Major to be that compelling. Like, it's Fork.
2: Yeah, but for or, your commander, no, not
1: for because it's copy target creature spell. Yeah, it's, yeah. But it, it forks your it's, commander is the thing. It's dude, fork. Yeah, yeah. yeah like a, in attracts,
0: I would I would fool around with this. I don't know if I would earn a permanent slot, but I would at least check to see if on six mana I want to cast double major plus attracts and have two attraxes proliferate twice at the end of turn, and have two four four vigilance flying death strike, blah blah blahs in
2: play. Two toothies. Ooh. Yeah.
0: Yeah, there's there's a bunch of commanders. Like two Thrasios? that cards busted on its own.
1: <laughs> I, I I think I missed both that it's creature and makes it not makes it non legendary. Yeah. So I yeah. guess it's better in that regard than I initially thought.
0: And, and the thing I like about both these cards is these are open ended cards. They don't require a specific synergy. Like a creature's always gonna die and you're almost always gonna have some creature worth going to get in green black. And in green blue, copying a creature that you're that you control a creature spell that you are casting seems very likely to take place as well. And that will be true no matter what commanders they print in the future. So if these cards don't get a reprint for a while, they have to make us money.
2: You know what's really funny? Body of Research is completely in the toilet. It's like the f- 50th highest ranked card or 60th or something like that. It's real low. Right. Um, and I think that's correct. I think Body of Research... What, what was a LSV's thought experiment? He's like... 2020 for five? Yeah, 2020 for five or something like that. Like, you could make a 2020 for two, and if it has no evasion... I don't know. I, I, I think Body of Research is kind of just... It's a real Timmy card, and, like, I will trade this to Timmy, you know, and Timmy will be super happy with getting this. Um, but, like... I don't know. I'm just I'm sort Uh, of gratified to see a card that everyone's like, well, is this bannable? Like
1: people ask if this card was bannable.
2: I mean, greater good. And then you just draw your deck. So, okay. I I mean, sure. Like,
1: sure. Do you need more ways to draw your deck? It doesn't seem like really right. So I, I looked at body research and thought that this basically was not playable in EDH. I would not pay six mana for an infinite, infinite creature in that format.
2: Well, I have something a little more controversial. I don't think Dragon's Approach is the card everybody thinks it is.
0: Dragon's approach.
2: It's the um it's the seven dwarves of this set. You uh you can deal three damage to each opponent oh, and then yes, you can yes, exile yes. it yes, and yes, four yes. copies out of your yard to go get a dragon. Sure. This isn't seven dwarves. This isn't persistent petitioners or relentless rats. Um I think everyone's looking at the prices of those cards, and I really don't see this being a $5 foil in a year, the way uh, Seven Dwarves got there.
0: It's pretty cute in Five Color Changelings, though. Uh,
2: yeah, I mean, sure, but you got to play a bunch of really awkward cards. And, like, making a bunch of copies of Seven Dwarves on the board is very easy. Making a bunch of copies of a sorcery in your graveyard is impossible, so you have to do this honestly.
1: I Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I didn't think about playing it dishonestly, unfairly, but I, I why would I pay play five copies of Dragon's approach to get a dragon? I just paid fifteen mana.
0: I mean I do, guess I to got to do the, 15 damage to the board. You paid
2: twice as much as a dragonstormer cost.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I a lot. <laughs> you just
2: hard cast a dragon storm, and all you want is one dragon. I mean That's frankly, nine mana. The
1: the only way I'm playing this is if I'm playing it in like a spe- <clears throat> so maybe the maybe the dragon part of this is irrelevant. Or, like, not maybe the you're point. just
2: doming everybody for three every time
1: you're playing, like, Cloud Key, Thrumming Stone, and yeah, and like Gutter <laughs> Snipe and stuff like that, right? <laughs> yeah, well, that wasn't that. What isn't that? Didn't Thrumming Stone just spike because of this? Thrumming Stone spikes every time, sure. Uh, but I did like, I don't think I don't, you're not, I guess, this is the way that you think about this. This is not, oh, I can I only have to cast this five times and I can get a free dragon, it's, oh, I'm gonna make my sorceries cost one. And cast this like a madman, and occasionally I will get a dragon out of it.
0: Sure, th- th- there's off, definitely yeah. some some funzy nichey things, and somebody will play will do that against me once in th- the rest of my time playing this format. But why would I let dragons approach as a common from the main set of Strixhaven into my spec portfolio when I can just buy all the old border relentless rats out of Time Spiral that are going to dry up in six months? Yeah.
1: Well, if you're buying Dragon's Approach for a quarter, maybe,
0: or pulling them out of draft, Jeff.
2: I like, can't. You know how many persistent have... petitioners I just pulled out of the garbage? Sure, 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 sure. But I, right. I don't even think this is worth like that much. I, I think people are like every time they do this, everyone's gonna be like, "Oh, it's a," because they're like, "Oh, I missed on petitioners and I missed on Seven Dwarves and I'm never gonna miss again." Well, I don't think they're gonna do another Seven Dwarves again. It's not. Ne- There's never gonna be another one that's that good. I don't think.
0: We'll see. Uh how about Wait. Archmage Emeritus? Two double blue, two two, human wizard, Magecraft. Whenever you cast a cop or copy an instant or sorcery spell, draw a card. Is this the beast whisperer of the set? Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh based on preliminary data, it's in terms of percentage inclusion, it's the number two card in the set. I
0: this is probably a brick. <laughs> oh yeah it's It's a
2: buck now oh this is uh did you guys know this was the bundle foil you remember the chrome shell crab or whatever the thing that was just thrown in sure and the bundles of this is the bundle foil and the bundle foil doesn't look great it's really dark i like the set art better so i think there's i i wrote about this in my um mtg price article uh on Tuesday of this week, so when you're hearing this, you can go find it already. Um I uh I don't know if there's money to be made here just because like it being a bundle foil kind of throws everything off because if you look at that that crab's not worth anything. So
0: it's also worth noticing noting that Beast Whisperer has caught a couple of reprints along the way and is basically stuck at two dollars. Yeah. And Beast Whisperer is just
2: a broken card. I mean, it's Beast Whisperer for spells, so, like, that's cool. So, uh, I I like it a lot. I don't know if there's money to be made, per se, just because, like, it's a non-mythic in the main set, and then also every bundle
0: has got a foil of it. Sure.
1: You might be stuck waiting for a, a new version of it to get printed. Well, there's an a extended cool
0: art, again, in the collector boosters as well.
1: Yeah, I mean that's probably the right play, I suppose, yeah. when it comes to this
2: card. But yeah. the the alternate art on the bundle foil could matter, but maybe not. Who knows? All right, how about
0: Vanishing Verse?
2: I like Vanishing Verse. Uh, a little bit, but I again, we kind of talked about it a little bit earlier. I don't think you cut. I think you cut a bad removal spell for this, but I don't know that you cut Utter End or um, Anguished Unmaking for this. And I don't even know if you cut Vindicate, despite this being an instant. I think it's a little too narrow, and it's probably... You're going to be hard-pressed to cut something that's a little uh,
0: wider for this. It also looks like something they will just print into some more commander decks within the year. It doesn't re- reference Strixhaven in any way. Is this a cycle?
2: Because I don't think there, there's a red-white one in rare. There, I see like five uncommon red-white. Like Lorehold Excavation and and Rip Apart. Is this? I don't rip know. It, it seems uncommon, like there's a yeah. cycle.
1: Vanishing Verse to me is... I mean, I, I look at it and I go, okay, your opponents are almost always going to have a target usually gonna have a target for this. You can't hit artifacts, you can't hit multicolor cards. But like what are the odds your opponent has all gold cards and artifacts? Like, eh. Like it could happen. But you're also playing against four three other people usually. So someone's bound to have a couple targets. But the the problem there is are they any target you know, when you're playing Anguish on Making, you're playing it because you absolutely
2: positively have to get rid of that permanent. It's yeah. going to You're just going to incidentally tag somebody's Rhystic Study just because you have it and you're like, I can play it.
1: Right. Yeah, That that's my concern here.
0: I, I can see this being like they do a secret layer. Said McKinnon does the art, and then that's the Vanishing Verse you want to have copies of.
1: I mean... Jason did you figure out what but uh, it could... who the favorite who Jason's favorite James's favorite artist is yet? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that's the one that
0: makes people money automatically.
2: But what was that uh that really bad so- two white man of swords to plowshares that they thought everyone was going to love so they're like
0: here's an alternate version of it and everyone's like yeah, we don't care. Winds of Horizon?
2: It. Yeah. Yeah. So, this could be that if they did a secret layer they're like people are going to love vanishing verse. They like vindicate and that's a sorcery and everyone's like yeah play on makeover this so i don't i don't really know i i don't think anything that like becomes narrower by like removing a mana from its cost i don't think that matters in commander where the curve starts at six right like uh, making something cheaper is great for like legacy and modern and standard and stuff like that but like making a card worse by carving off a mana isn't great in EDH. We would rather have a more expensive card do more. So I that's that's why I think Vanishing Verse wasn't made for EDH and that's why I don't care that it's not great. I think in Standard this could be pretty nasty.
1: Yeah, I mean in Standard where you're, you know, very likely to have targets frequently. And it, even if it can't hit the best thing on the board, that's not necessarily a problem.
0: Yeah. Well, actually, I to correct myself, both Archmage Emeritus and Vanishing Verse aren't in the Commander decks; they're in the set proper, so they have foil extended arts. So that's almost certainly the play on both of them when those get low. Oh, when you
2: mentioned the uh, the collector boosters, you were talking about you were thinking it was in the uh, the Commander slot.
0: Yeah, but it's not. So the, no, yeah. that means they get is not EAs. and correct. the and since the mystical archive cards are going to suck up so much EV out of the collector boosters, those should get real cheap. The foil extender rares that we've seen, you know, like foil extender Thassa's Oracle was under $10. Was it really? Yeah, originally. I sell those. I for can't like wait to crack now.
2: collector boosters of this set. Oh, uh, I, nice. I saw somebody that got early cards say that their foils didn't curl up, also. Yeah,
0: that's real exciting. Woo. So, how, how about Wandering Arcade? <laughs> All right, my product
1: isn't damaged out of the box. Woo-hoo.
0: Hey, you know what? I can be happy about that.
2: Does that sound like I have Stockholm syndrome a little bit? <laughs> Look, man, I named my daughter Liliana, my son Soren. I am pot committed on this game at this point. You Don't... named
1: your son Soren?
2: Well, it's Danish. S O R E N. Yeah, it's Danish. And so my wife is Danish. So like her family loved it. All right. Listen, I listen, mean, leave a Lara Soren and Liliana the
0: alone, you, you bastard.
2: That's right. You leave a Lara out of this. We're making fun of me right now. Yeah, No, you guys like, I, are... I said Soren as a joke. I was like, hey, we named her daughter Liliana. What about another magic name like Soren? She's like, Soren would be perfect. That's Danish. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. So, like, her family loves it. And you know what? I'm a hero because I got what I wanted. Yeah. So when have you ever had a double W like that?
0: And every non-nerd on the planet thinks Alara is the most beautiful name ever and thinks that we came up with it on our own. So yeah. we're good.
1: Yeah, I mean... I... You know, this reminds me of a friend of mine who, uh, <coughs> a huge Nintendo fanboy, and he was about to have his first child. Now, granted, this was uh, 12 years ago, and he's like, okay, so we're talking about names for our kid, and my wife's Italian, right? So I I figured I... But she doesn't want to name the kid Mario. I, I think that I don't understand why she doesn't want to name Mario. And every single one of his friends is like, there is no goddamn way you can
0: name your child <laughs> you Mario. Can't.
1: Like, You yeah, are such a Nintendo fanboy. Like, that will be like, do not try and give us this bullshit about, you know, being an Italian name for her. This is clearly for you. And don't do that. And is then he- they
2: named the kid Waluigi. So everybody
1: wins. <laughs> uh, funny story. My good friend, uh, a different, completely different friend had a child and that child was named Waluigi nicknamed waluigi and that's how everyone knows him
2: wow all right wandering Yeah, we should do it like our parents did when they go buy a book called the hundred best baby names of 1983 and then they you know why i'm named jason because that was the most popular name for kids born in 1984 oh that's so much better than picking a name from an ip you like wow i'm so glad my parents bought a book (laughs) And not even a good book, like a novel. They bought a book that was a list of names. You did it. Yep.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's funny because
1: I had a name that I absolutely loved for my son, but we couldn't use it because when I fell in love with the name was 15 years ago. And back then it was not popular. And by the time I got around having my kid, it was like the fourth most popular name or something. So like, can't use it too good, too popular.
2: Yeah. What was it? You're not going to tell us?
1: Uh, Ethan.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Why, why is Ethan popular? Uh,
1: I, the only thing I can imagine is that everyone my age also liked the name.
0: It's a very hipster name.
1: See, so, yeah, so by the time I got older, oh. all of those people had already started having kids. Everyone
0: liked Ethan
2: Suffley on uh, My Name is Earl. That's probably what did it.
1: Yeah, that's a reference
2: that, uh, what, seven people are going to get, I assume? Uh, mall rats for the rest of you.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> You know, the fat guy from American History X. We did it. We got everyone's on board now. Yeah. Oh, boy.
1: We're just getting more and more uh, remote with these references
2: here.
0: <laughs> All right. Wandering Archaic. That's my favorite card this set. Five mana, four, four, creature avatar. Looks like an Eldrazi, but it's not. Whenever an opponent casts an instant or sorcery spell, they may pay two. If they don't, you may copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you just get to tart. You basically get Smothering Tithe on a stick for spells. And you can have it in any color. How is that not a brick? Um, I don't think it'll ever get cheap
2: enough. I don't know. I
0: I bet I, it will in Europe.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm all in on this card. This is the most 75% card in the whole set that has uh, a commander that's like a red mind's dilation. I still think this is more fun. I couldn't be happier.
0: Yeah, this this card looks good.
1: Yeah, but we're quiet, which is like we both agree. <laughs> good card, and this is in the set proper, right? We saw. Yes, there's, right. there's a
0: foil extended art of this, double sided. Yeah. That looks real nice because it's got like the snowy background right to the bottom. That's
1: cool. That's cool.
0: So currently in Europe for the the the, the normal version, they want. 6 6 to 7 dollars but that over release weekend that's going to definitely drop under 5. If I if I can get these at like 3.5 euro or something a piece sounds good to me. Do you it's think this 12, is a future 20 dollar card to do right Jason?
2: Now. It's hard to say it's a non mythic. Mhm. I think there's like a premium version of this that could be like 20 bucks but like I I have to keep going to edh rec to make my picks based on data because if we went by my personal taste what i like to do in edh is not what other people like to do and the sooner i recognize that the better my picks got so this is currently buried sort of sort of midway down the the top 100 right this is like in 42nd place like right after professor onyx And right before Quandrix Campus, which is a common. So, like, (laughs) people haven't quite caught on yet, but, like, I think they're gonna, because this is played ahead of Lorehold Command and Blade Historian and, you know, uh, Philomachus Lorehold. Some good cards that I think are going to catch on. So, like, uh, I think Water Archaic could get there. It's colorless, which means it goes in all of my decks, just like Helmet Possession, but... I'm a lunatic, so we've established that like maybe people don't want another Did you pay the two card? Because people hate did you pay the two cards.
0: If you've got a well, Study, smothering tide and this thing out, <laughs> your game's probably doing going pretty well.
1: <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, Jason you're going to be more in tune to this than uh, we probably will how often you know at this point in a set's life very very early do you see something that's uh, like wandering arcade like 40th or 50th in the set that then ends up coming around to like the top 10. Like basically, people didn't figure it out yet, but they do eventually, and it gains in popularity. Once a year. Wow. So, typically at this point in time, the po- cards that are already popular are going to stay
2: there, and things don't move forward. I mean, this could be are. the set that does it. Wondering, Archaic is also like sold out. the The places that were doing pre
0: orders on it and set ten bucks or something.
2: Yeah. It's sold out at nine and now, well, like the, um, yeah, like the variant is sold out. Um, it's sold out at nine. I feel like, I feel like this comes down from like 10 or 11. I mean, it's a non mythic. If you look at, if you look at Kaldheim, if you look at the number of cards above $10, there's like 12 cards above $10 and it's like three different versions of four cards. So, like, I don't want to pay 10 bucks for this, but if this hits 3 like, I'm super interested.
0: The thing is, this is also fixing and political on the back end. And in decks where you can play that side of it, drop a creature in the yard, and, yeah. retur- and return it as a creature, you can get some serious mileage out of this thing. Because well, there's a problem on the table, it's going to kill everybody. So you cast Explore the Vastlands, everybody looks at the top five cards of the library... They can reveal a land and or instri- instant or sorcery card and then presumably fix the problem. And to cast it, you've negotiated ahead of time how that's going to go. You can't kill any of my stuff. You have to deal yeah. with his thing. Blah, 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 blah. And I'll, I'll cast this. Does everybody agree? Yes, let's go. I, and then, there have
2: been games where someone's super far ahead and someone's like, I have one removal spell and I can't decide to get this or that. And you're like, well, I'll just copy it and I'll get the other thing. Sure.
0: There's there's a lot of play to both sides of this card, <laughs> and pretty sure it's brick. Now I don't want it at ten at all. I want to see it get down. Of course not. Well under four. But if it gets there, I'll be I'll certainly be picking some up. Now let's talk a little bit about the commanders. It seemed like they're they're sticking their neck out as the most favored from the main set. Looks so far it looks like Extus. or is or Relared, lapping everything. Yeah. I, who okay, I also so... flagged last week with Travis saying I thought this thing looks sick
1: now i and i was just gonna say i i admit that you know i said the jams last week i didn't think that card was that good i didn't think he was that interesting it's
0: it's one white double black two four human warlock double strike whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to your hand and then the flip side of it is awaken the blood avatar six uh black red As an additional cost to cast a spell, you can sacrifice any number of creatures, reduce the cost by two for each one you do. Each opponent sacks a creature, create a three, six black and red avatar creature token with haste, and whenever this creature attacks, it deals three damage to each opponent. I think we can both agree you're probably casting the front side of this a lot more often than the back.
2: Uh, Not me, but
1: yeah, I could see that. Do you have any thoughts as to why this is doing so well, Jason? Oh, it's so cool.
2: It's that. so cool. It's a it's a, an, it's a sorcery on the back and a, a brutal sorcery, right? Like, the front is cool because, like, you can just keep getting Endric Sar Master Breeder back and just, like, doing really ridiculous stuff with your token generators. Um, it's three colors, you know? So you, you get to play a Martyr deck, which is cool. And Awaken the Blood Avatar is just a really just brutal spell. And if you have a bunch of expendable thrall tokens, you know, to throw at this and play this for two mana... Um second creatures reduces commander tax, which means you can always play this for a black and a red if you're good enough at generating tokens. Mm-hmm. And uh if you're good enough at having, you know, anointed procession, you could get two of those uh stupid red avatar tokens. Like uh, <laughs> there's a, a lot to like about Awaken the Blood Avatar. And um Exodus is just it's got one of the better Magecraft triggers in the whole set. It doesn't have that stupid like Oh, congrats! You got chain of smog, sort of Magecraft trigger, but it's gotta just. Oh, you played a removal spell and now you get a creature back. Um, I think it does more things than a lot of the other uh, commanders in the set, which I think are a little too fair. Um, I thought they would have. I thought when they said there were five dragons, they would have at least one good one, and I was wrong there. So that sucked.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of it's kind of crazy that they went. They burned their elder dragon token and gave us a bunch of medium dragons. Right, they're all fine. Like these cards will see play, but th- there's no uros or or Croxes here, which is which I mean, I'm sure the competitive players are thrilled about. Um, you do need to take a break from that stuff uh, to yeah. keep the keep the formats flowing. It um, is
1: interesting that they printed five new elder dragons for the first. pen. what was a lot? They don't print those very often. Nope. And uh, they're not like basically
0: not even worth talking about. <laughs> I know, I know. All right. So I mean, over over in the commander decks, I think we can all agree, Adrix and Nev twin casters is probably the thing. Two green blue two two Murfolk wizard, both good tribes. Ward two. So you have to cut pay two more to target these and if one or more tokens would be created under your control twice that many of those tokens are created instead so it just leans into every doubling season, parallel lives, nonsense thing that Simic players already have at their disposal Yep, It's funny
2: uh, Edrix and Nev is the number one card in the set in terms of percentage inclusion, but it's not the number one commander, it's number three in terms of raw number of decks right, right, dealt right. with it in the command zone, Right, which tells me that people are excited to add Adrix and nev to an existing Simic bullshit deck right but like they're not as sure about whether they want to build around it which is fine
0: people are going to do both and when they do both the cards price actually matters yeah because if exactly because a commander by that is only ever played as a commander may not be a good spec but a commander that fits in other decks may well be the i mean if i'm running a tracks i'm putting adrix in the deck not rebuilding for adrix
2: so, based on what I saw on Twitter, I would have expected uh, Guillaume, Master Chef, to be number one. He's uh, in the middle of the pack. So, um, I expect him to go up a little bit just because I think he's novel. And I didn't expect him to to get built less than the professor, who's also a bear. What's that lecture like, by the way? Just being lectured by a bear?
0: Rah, 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 rah. Salmon, Salmon. Salmon is yummy. Exactly. Like, what, uh... what,
2: what is that class? It's like... Uh Well, you know, we had a permanent substitute teacher for three months of the semester because the professor had to go hibernate. Uh,
1: noted, controversial poster Matt Sperling pointed out that they uh, really failed on that card because it, it should have been a flip card. And when you turn it over, it was like, the professor patience, and, uh, you know, the end of their patience has been reached and it's just like a huge bear that beats the snot out of you. Um. Also isn't that card named like Ruxus?
2: Ruxa. Yeah,
1: it's, it's Teddy Ruxpin.
2: Cuz they would have gotten sued for Ruxpin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's <Teddy> probably. Ruxpin. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, any other commanders jump out at you Jason anything you think is going like, uh, to like surge run voice
2: of duality is just nutty. I love it. That's the 2-2 two,
0: two for one blue red magecraft whenever you cast a cop or copy an instant or sorcery it gets plus one plus one to end a turn but more importantly if you are casting or copying an instant or sorcery spell and it causes a triggered ability of a permanent you control to trigger that ability triggers an additional time yeah that's pretty So
2: this like this crazy. go it gets built on its own deck but also it goes in Calimax and like every other thing from that precon
1: Yeah my take on this was that it was a very cool card but probably wouldn't be played as it's on its own as much as it would be used in other decks
2: well, it's the second most built commander right now, preliminarily. So, like, I I think it could be a both situation. Yeah, i to... the only thing built more than Veyron and Edric's and Nev is uh Oscar. Oscar the Reconstructor, which I I think is everyone was so desperate for a take on Boros that wasn't yeah, you. You get double strike and you can attack a lot. Yeah. Um, good for good for Boros people getting both
0: Osgir and Alibo Ancient Witness osgur cool because i can slip it into brea and yeah. be perfectly happy with that and i can see osgur being worth money down the road because that they that specific the... set of things on a boros card well you won't see it that often
2: it's like a double felden almost on that mm-hmm. second ability mm-hmm. like uh, getting a, a ton of value you know yeah. sacking an artifact for something and then getting two copies of it just
0: seems really cool. Yeah, there's a lot of busted things you can do with that.
1: They did um, they did a really good job with Lorehold. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Some of the other colors I feel like they they're fine, but uh Lorehold specifically feels like they did My the job with. My suspicion
2: was that we have Sheldon Menare to thank for that. He didn't he worked on Silver Quill, but I I think him being at Wizards when they made these decks I think he, he gets some cre- He's not going to take any credit, but I think he gets a little bit of credit for Lorehold not being just Boros.
0: Yeah, I can see that. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right, any other cards you want to put a spotlight on, Jason, that you think we've overlooked?
2: Uh, did we talk about Surge to Victory from the Precon? or? It's the uh, the Quidditch card. The six mana, four colorless, two red sorcery. Exile target, or sorcery from your yard. Creatures you control get plus X plus zero. That's that card's mana value. And whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player this turn, you copy the XL card. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do with this. People were talking about Rishkar's expertise or, you know, basically anything you copy with this. If you did this to a naturalize, it would be good. Your creatures get plus two, plus zero. When they deal damage, you cast a copy and Naturalize. Like, there's almost no bad target with Surge to Victory. So, um, I think that's a really fun card. And it doesn't have to be great to be just like a card Timmy's like. So, um, I, I think at like a buck or two, uh, if it's in a pre-con with a bunch of other good stuff, it ends up getting forgotten. That's just one of those cards that are like, why is tempt with reflections or whatever $25 now it's like well you slept on it that's why Uh, I don't think surge to victory is going to be $25 ever but I don't think it's going to be a bulk rare forever also so we're just
0: (laughs) going to insurrection and if it doesn't kill the table we're going to surge to victory give everything what is it plus 9 plus 9 or plus 8 plus 8 and then (laughs) cast insurrection again well expropriate also (laughs) Yeah, if they counter fun. your expropriate,
2: you're like, well, you'll live to regret that. Yeah, there's uh there's some cool stuff. I like rousing refrain also. Um there was a there were some cards in like uh, future sight where you would suspend them and then they would come off suspend every 3 turns and do a thing. Mm-hmm. Rousing refrain is just going to give you like four or five man every 3 turns. Um I think that's really solid. And if it gives you six or seven mana, if you cast it for five, get seven mana, and then a bunch of turns later, you get more. Like I don't know, I just uh, I really like Rousing Refrain. Um, I, I think it's undervalued currently. If you look at something like, um, uh, Jessica's Will, that that gives you a mana for each card in a player's hand. Like this, doing that multiple times, I think is is worth not overlooking.
1: I, th- I, this card did jump out at me and I'm, I am I kind of wondered if I was seeing something different than other people because I thought it was pretty solid um, just that you know every several turns you'll get a dump of mana which is something that Brad definitely wouldn't mind having access to but you know with the it, it, you and you kind of mentioned this earlier it doesn't matter how good I think a card is uh, it's got to be good the rest of the community has to think
2: it's good and I didn't know if they were going to like this yeah I'm I'm not sure there will. Um, just based on the preliminary results, it's it's kind of buried. Well, actually no, you know what? It's actually the 25th most played card. So out of 81 that's uh, that's not bad.
0: Yeah.
2: Wait, what's it's the, certainly
0: what, the best of the refrains? What's the new blue card that lets you steal one thing from everybody? Replication technique?
1: no because it's not replicate you're stealing from oh, it's like, that's, that's the, isn't
0: the there a makes... card that's like one triple blue
1: yes it's the one that you really liked james and i was very far away
2: on huh is it in the edh deck or is it oh commander's insight Ah, oh, man i don't know i don't know what card you're talking
0: about
1: no we should get we should get jason to chime in on this because we had talked about it
0: Jeez, i can't find it in any of the lists it's so low down it basically doesn't exist as far as i can tell
1: Oh my god, come on. Star City's. Uh, is choking. Is on it in Star
0: the center or crap. in the EDH decks? I don't, I'm not Good 100% question. sure off the top of my head, to be honest. I, tempted by the Auric. Okay. Versus it's reported so far in two decks. <laughs> One. Tri- um, it, one triple blue sorcery for each opponent gain control of up to one target creature or planeswalker that player controls with mana value three or less.
2: Uh, I think the restriction on it is turning some people off, but like if you get a soul ring auristic study
0: and like a mind stone with this, like you're uh, super
2: happy about that. So
0: you, you're thinking the same thing I did when I first saw the card. You can't get artifacts with this, it's only creatures or planeswalkers.
2: Oh, well, then this is geez, creatures like name a mana value. You're going to get a Coiling <laughs> Oracle with this. That's
1: that's what I said. I've looked through, like, when we were talking about this last week, I looked through the top 10, like, top 20 creatures uh, right now no, that are most popular, a, and I'm like, okay, so you a, get
0: three land Elves. There's a bunch of commanders that cost three or less. Not on turn four. I mean, Yur- Yuriko I can grab. I can grab Sisse. I can grab Feather. But for... That, three Brazios? more mana could have
2: a blatant thievery like i i don't like this
0: i vindicated no one else does yet
2: either james so. james <laughs> i'm the guy who would like a card like this if it was good okay.
0: well nobody else agrees with me either so i guess we'll you see.
2: were talking to mr 75 Percent. if this card were good i would like it if you can't even get enchantments or artifacts with it like it it's just it's you were going to play this and you're not going to get one permanent from one of the players. And you're going to get something meddling from the other two. Mm
1: All Mm -hmm. right.
0: I'll accept it. And I, I cast a lot of blatant thieveries. Hmm. All right. You wanted to talk about guardian augmenter. Sure do. What wasn't even on my radar? That was it.
1: That was it. That was all (laughs) I wanted to say about it.
2: Yep. (laughs) Um, Guardian Augmenter is uh, just the kind of card that people overlook at first because it doesn't look that, that splashy, but this guy's got really good stats. It's a 3 mana, it's a 2 cos and a green for a 2-2 two, two flash. Commander creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2, and commanders you control have hexproof. proof um, Yeah, it,
0: I could see that being it, a brick. It's like
2: Bastion Protector, right? Like If people have 2 commanders, you get a ton of va- Like Peer and Toothy or something like that, you get a ton of value on that, and just the fact that it has flash... You know, so it can either like give a commander hexproof or like buff it enough that it doesn't die, all at instant speed. Um, If you have two commanders, it's obviously way better. But like, I uh, I think
0: when this card hits like three or four bucks, I'm very interested. And it and this one does have a a non-foil extended art because it's from the commander decks, not the main set. Yeah. So those are probably pretty tasty. Looks like this is even in Europe, this is like eight bucks. I'd like it to get cheaper, but Uh, it will. it's so universally applicable.
2: (laughs) Uh, It's just one of those non-sexy solid cards that like there's some cards that like from like Commander 2014 that everyone's like, why is this? Well, have you played it? And like nobody played it. And then all of a sudden it's on game nights or something like that.
0: And the fact that it has flash makes it sneaky good because it's not just what it says on the card. It counters a point removal spell on your commander a, while yeah. you're trying to do things and then protects it from additional problems and gives it protection from burn by being virtu- by virtue of having a bigger butt. So, yeah, I, I like Augmenter a lot. I just want it cheaper. I think it'll get there. All Well, I think we can probably make that a wrap. We got plenty of good targets there. I think the cards we all agreed were best were... Monologue tax, archaeomancer's map, oversimplify, promise of loyalty, wandering archaic, guardian augmenter, and maybe yep. cunning rhetoric.
1: I was, I, was, I was waiting for the Attempted by orc to get snuck in there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think
2: we can all agree that. I think we can all agree to disagree. about bug, tempted by the orc,
0: and what, uh, one of the I most. important... If you can
2: go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry, uh, I was just going to say, like in my articles for the next month, I'm going to talk about the commanders in these sets and like all the old cards that those buff up. Because again, I think the most money to be made is like, there's some obscure rare from like Urza's destiny. That was like a bulk rare. Then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, that puts training counters on something. Well, Oh, we have training counters again. So now this is 12 bucks knowing that stuff early really helps. So as much as like, we can talk for an hour about all the stuff in this set. I think what's even gonna make you even more money is older cards that are just that were useless but all of a sudden have a new use or Mm -hmm. were useful and now are even more useful on the basis of getting 45 new legendary creatures in a one week period
0: yeah fair enough all right so thank big thanks to commander-in-chief jason alt for joining us with our strixhaven commander review with an edh bent thank you for travis for uh hanging out with us and chatting through the set for week number two. <laughs> uh, so looks fun. I'm most excited. You know what we didn't didn't touch on is which of the Japanese mystical archives and global art mystical archives folks should be pushing in on but we can probably save that for I don't a, think there's a, a wrong answer. It's a bunch of really nice cards in there. I'm, I'm looking at that Teferi's Protection. Ooh. Japanese art on that. Woo-hoo they're never going to beat it that they're just not going to beat it and there's been some good art on that card so far the all that japanese stuff is so cool looking wow and that's coming from travis who has has dipped on anime fans uh, quite a few times on this show
1: yeah because none of it's anime like two three of them are anime and those are the ones i don't like
0: it's more than that and i agree with you that those are the ones i don't like i'm even borderline on the dark ritual but we can get there another time where can people find you online, Jason?
2: Well, if you're a fan of the website, mtgprice.com, you may be gratified to know that I've been writing for MTG price for nearly a decade, yeah. but it's not just MTG price where I write. I also write a the 75% EDH column on cool stuff, Inc. I'm a member of the brainstorm brewery MTG finance podcast. Um, I'm the content manager for the websites, EDH rec and commanders herald.com. And, uh, somehow i find time to not teach my daughter to read doing all that
1: <laughs> has it been a decade for 2013 been pre- it's 2013. getting pretty close because i was not not original but i was very early
0: yep and i was after both of you hmm. i think i start. i think uh, yeah i think i started in 2014 i want to say i have to go back and check how about you travis where can people find you online
1: Oh, I am on Twitter at Bumpin,
0: B-U-M-P-I-N. you B-U-M-P-I-N. And you, uh, what about you? You guys can find me on Twitter at mdgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mdgprice.com when I do find the time. I also like to remind our listeners to check out the mdgprice.com pro trader service for just $9.99 a month or $99.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business and a super active Discord forum that will hook you up with Russian Time Spiral and make you money playing magic the gathering The uh, Discord
2: alone pays for itself and james is not paying me to say that i'm just <laughs> i would love to point
0: that out it's not close yeah
1: uh you get russian time spiral if you're jason if you're me you lose out on the die roll and i get nothing
0: <laughs> no J- jason got yeah, jason got hooked up with
1: german didn't you jason
0: yeah it was german yeah
1: oh was it german mm-hmm
0: uh, but, but there's a Russian lottery tonight. It ends. It ended 19 minutes ago. So I don't know if you put your hand up, Travis. But you know, maybe we'll s- slip you in a slot if you want one.
1: I know. I didn't put my hand up because I was doing this.
0: <laughs> That's uh, how I get you. <laughs> He's like,
2: "Well, I'll distract Travis. We're yeah. going to talk for two hours about a set with no relevant cards two hours
1: and 19 minutes <laughs> uh once again mtg fast finance is proudly sponsored by cool stuff inc where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock including all the best and magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles use the promo code finance5 during checkout at coolstuffinc.com to save five percent off your order and support our podcast which brings us to the end of episode 267. I uh, Always a pleasure, Jason, to uh, chat EDH and everything beyond, and Jason, James, uh, as well. So I will see one of you in three months and the other one
0: in a week. Your choices. Sounds about right. Thank you, Travis. Thank you, Jason. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.
2: Oh, 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 oh,